Welcome, everybody, to the 12th episode of Sonic Talk. We got some special guests here. Now, normally we go ahead and uh, have the interview segment after the news, after Comic Talk and what have you. But this time, we know you guys just like to skip right ahead, so it's going to be right here at the beginning. Uh, with us this week, we got a special guest, um, Patrick. Uh, sorry, what's your last name, Patrick? Gardner. Patrick Gardner. He's going to be our uh, third chair tonight. And... With us, just for the uh, mainly for the interview section here, is uh, executive producer at, here at Sumo Digital, uh, Steve Lissette. Hi, nice to meet you guys. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, Steve. <laughs> you too. And uh, I, I, I should introduce uh, tonight, we've got a special guest my side as well. Uh, we've got Gareth Wilson, who's the design director on the game. He's the, he's the king of the design. Hi, how's it going? Doing great. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Very good. Awesome. Okay, now, uh, our first segment is... Uh, which is called What We've Been Playing. Um, well, what have you been playing, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Besides the obvious, of course. Funnily, funnily enough, I've been mostly playing Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transform, <laughs> uh, which is consuming most of our waking hours. Uh, outside of that, I mean, to be honest, the, the last few things I've played, really, I've even playing Diablo 3. Uh, I actually play that in the lunchtimes with the, the lead artist, and that, we're having a lot of fun doing that. It's kind of good to dip in and out. I mean, what about you guys? You've been um, I've been playing iPhone games because I haven't got much time to do anything else at the minute. So I've been playing that, um, oh, what is it, that fiendishly expensive free-to-play racing game, S SRS Racing? Uh, is that what it's called? It, basically, it's a drag racing game. You just tap on the touchpad to go to change gear, and then you beat people. But it's free-to-play, and it keeps asking you for more money to upgrade your car and stuff, and I keep <laughs> spending it. <laughs> so we've been doing that. Um, been playing... Yeah, loads of loads of iPhone games, really. Um, just bits and bobs on there. Yeah, those free to play games end up being the most successful, just because you know they just nickel and dime you the whole time. <laughs> they do. They do totally. Yeah. I found I spent like you know ten dollars on it. I was a, and if it had been ten dollars to buy, I just would not have done that at all. <laughs> in, in my wildest dreams, I would have gone, no way am I spending this on this game. Um, but yeah, they, they, they kind of creep up on you. <laughs> hey, uh, Patrick, uh, what about you? Uh, I've been playing uh, Soccer Wars So Long My Love on the PS3, and I recently downloaded Dynamite Deca from my Japanese account from uh, the PlayStation Network. But there's a problem with my PS3. It kept uh, dying on me. You know the. I think you guys are aware of the uh, Yellow Light of Death. Yeah, I just had that about three uh, months ago. Yeah. It, it sucks. So like um, right now I'm stuck with uh, Sonic Four Episode Two, and I played a little bit of my um my Dreamcast games. I played a uh, Fighting Vipers Two with my uh with my cousins and stuff. And yeah, that's that's basically it. That's all I've been playing. Yeah, Patrick's a pretty hardcore Sega fan. I mean, not too many uh, people around here are playing Sakura Wars. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. about, it's, it's, believe me, I've talked to Patrick many times now, and yeah, what you been up to, Alex? Well, we just had the uh, Dreamcast's thirteenth birthday in the United States, and so I've been playing mostly Dreamcast games, and mostly this new gem I recently uncovered called um, Super Magnetic Neo. Oh, Has uh, anyone ever heard of that? 
Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it is a surprisingly fun, very, very, very hard, um, hardcore platformer that um, centers around um, using a north and south magnetic fields to interact with uh, jump pegs and enemies and stuff. And it is a game that's pretty much built for speedrunning. I love stuff like that. I like the sound of that. And, really and fun little cool. fact about it is that it's actually, it comes from this developer called Genki, which was fu- founded by a former Sega employee who left the company in 1990. Genki, Genki, uh, oh God, what's the guy's name? Uh, I actually don't remember. Um, it's not the guy who's in that Genki Rockets, is it? No, it's, it's the guy. I, I know the guy's name, and it's completely gone. I think it's the guy I used to work with, actually. All right. Okay. Small world. Small world. <laughs> Small world, indeed. As far as uh, I'm concerned, I'm a PS Plus a subscriber, so I got Jet Set Radio. I've been playing hey, it. Hell yeah, that, man. That, that is, really that is probably that. one of, that. if not my favorite Sega game of all time. So I was uh, really happy to yeah. play that. The graphics are so much crisper now. I mean, everything's. Re- I mean, it would look great back in the day, but it still looks really good. You know, t- ten it's, years later. Yeah. It's weird, you know. Any, anything like that that kind of cell shaded here that really just stands up. I mean, with a uh, game called. Did manage to get all the soundtrack? Um, That's how I call it. The soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack I think is available next week, but. Uh, that's on iTunes. It's going to be all uh, Hideki Naganuma. This, as far as the soundtrack to the game goes, everything's there. Everything except for like one song, and then they added the European and Japanese songs on top of that. So that's the biggest Jet Set Radio soundtrack oh, okay. there is. Wow. So it's a bit of Richard Jackson. Yeah, and in fact, there's even more songs in the bonus mode. There's a bonus mode where you can unlock some Jet Set Radio Future songs by Hideki Naganuma, and a uh, a uh, like a the behind-the-scenes video thing that lasts uh, oh, about um, 20 minutes. So wow, I, I'd say I just came up with an idea. Yeah, the one uh, big improvement they made also is uh, there's camera control on the right analog stick this time, which wasn't before. Oh, <laughs> blasphemy! That's that's a change, isn't it? Surely, all the fans get upset about that kind of thing. <laughs> I doubt it. I, I'm still a little. Uh, it's a little sad that they haven't uh, uh, put the uh, camera about behind the camera button separately from the spray button. But it only really affects things when you're like chasing after one of the gang members and what have you. But outside of that, it works uh, really good. I mean, I'm really happy with it. I've been playing it for like nonstop yesterday. Also. Uh, on the PlayStation Network, uh, which is free for PSN subscribers, I guess, was uh, Double Dragon Neon, which is, uh, <laughs> oh my god, uh, WayForward way did it, and uh, I was kind of looking forward to it just because it was WayForward, but I wasn't expecting too much from it. And on the average as a game, as far as mechanically goes, it's just blah and average, but it's hilarious what they've done to it. It's a homage to uh, the 80s, and it's a parody of the original the Double Dragon. That's it. I, I'm gonna have to have that. A, I've, I've got a lot of time for way forward. Yeah, it has a yeah, great soundtrack to it, and it's very much an homage to '80s uh, fighters of the day. I mean, like, and I'm playing as uh, Billy Lee, and he just says some really random stuff whenever he's hitting enemies. He'll hit him with a baseball bat and scream "touchdown" or "hole in one." <laughs> <laughs> 
feel like a bad it's 80s sweet. movie. I, I love that stuff. I mean, last week I went to go and see Judge Dredd, the new movie, and that to me was like a, a classic that. 80s movie, but done today. It was brilliant. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, me and uh, GX, who's a regular on our show, were both playing it yesterday, and I, I uh, talked to him and I said, this game plays like a, a fun, bad 80s movie. It just, it just has that feeling, that motif to it. Like you pick up uh, so, 80s um, uh, cassette tracks to gain, to gain more powers and such. So, Steve, are you uh, familiar with the Judge Dredd, uh, Judge Dredd comic? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to read 2008 like a long, long time ago, you know, when I was a kid. I think you're probably the same. It was yeah. kind of... It was massive in the UK. It was really, really, really big. Really big. Yeah, I heard. I, I, as I recall, they're like a really. They were a really major. Uh, they, they are a really major British publisher. Yeah. Um, how does the movie compare to the comic book? Well, it's weird. I mean, what they've done is they've kind of, kind of taken the the ethos of it, but brought it up to date and done it in a slightly more realistic way. But it, I don't know. It's one of those films like, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it captured the spirit of it but in a really good way without being too betrothed to it. You know, they didn't feel like they had to make the suits exactly the same. They didn't feel they make all the costumes and the things the same. But what they did with it is they made it realistic enough that it was believable. You know, you could see it was going to work all right. Mm, okay. <laughs> was it, did it compare, because I thought the, start, the new Star Trek was, was similar. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd agree that. with that. I really enjoyed the, the new Star Trek. I thought it was a really good kind of reboot, but it still kept, the kind of was the core of it was yeah. there. You know, yeah. you could still tell from the main characters, but you, but you did it in such a way that you don't know how it's going to end because yeah. you're like, oh, it's all yeah. scratch now. You know, whatever you knew. Yeah, I hear you, Patrick. Is no yeah, um, yeah, that's okay. got a really high score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm really interested in checking that one out. At the very least, I guess it's better than the. Uh, I guess it must be better than the, Sylve- the uh, Sylvester Stallone version. Oh yeah, that was. Good. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't, this is the problem, wasn't me? Because I, I do like Just Dread anyway. I, I actually didn't mind the Stallone one, but at least this is an order of magnitude better. Seriously, if you've got any kind of interest in it, go and see it. It's fantastic. It's, All speaking right. of uh, European it. comic strip uh, <laughs> movies, I guess there's an Asterix and Obelix uh, movie coming out. In, and really? Yeah, Asterix. That's that Viking, yeah, Viking thing, guys, right? Viking uh, guys. I guess in France, and I don't know if it's coming out in the UK. I know there's a French uh, French trailer I saw. Okay. Because there's been one before, isn't it? Yeah, one with uh, there was there was an actual like real live action one, live yeah. action one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Wreck It Ralph. Actually, I don't know if anyone's seen oh, it. Oh my God, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, I was, was going to add this to news, but I guess I'm going to add it now. I guess. Uh, Sorry. Trailer that uh, besides um, besides uh, Sonic's uh, little uh, PDA announcement, they saw Sonic in the background in one other scene. So I guess there's more Sonic in there than we thought there's going to be. Sonic yeah, needs to just sweet. take over the movie. You know, oh, just, there's a lot uh, of great old. Be record Ralph, yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's trying to talk. He's trying to talk. Um, Ralph is uh, to the uh, bartender from Tapper. You know, trying to break, break his soul down too. Tapper <laughs> keeps going. Okay, hold that thought. I gotta go. And he keeps going over to help the other bartenders and then, or the other customers, and then coming back to here. And then he, like two seconds later, he's going. Hold that thought. He's going. He's going back over the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that movie is going to be great just because Rich Moore's kind of behind it. It was clear when we talked to him at uh, Sonic Boom. He's got a massive love for gaming. 
You know, and seriously, you can talk to people sometimes when they're making a film or a game, and you kind of get the feeling, that, you know, they're kind of doing it and they're behind it. He's a bit but of, he's so into it. He's it's a ridiculous. Bit of a Hollywood legend, that guy. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I'm well impressed with him. I actually saw a zombie from uh, House of the Dead on the, on the movie, too. Uh, oh, yeah, Sega references. Really? I mean, we got the purple rhino boss from Altered Beast and that bad guy uh, on yeah. room as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. That's a shame they didn't get Mario. They got Bowser, but I guess the Nintendo wanted uh, a little bit more for Mario. Why would you want anything for Mario? It's free, it's free exposure for your character. I mean, they could have had a great scene where you know Mario meets Fix It Felix, and then uh, you know like a double take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Fel- uh, Fe- uh, Felix Fix It, whatever Junior, has uh, kind of got a Mario vibe to him, like an old old school Mario vibe. But I mean. Maybe that's why they didn't want him in. It seemed like a kind of a weird mix of um, Mario and uh, that monster game, um, Rampage, except kind of in reverse. Oh, instead yeah, of yeah. destroying yeah, the building, you're fixing it. Oh, yeah, that, that, that game was awesome. Yeah, I used to love that one back in the day. I'm, a, I'm an old-school uh, 80s you know, gamer from way back when. When the arcades, oh, everybody you know played at the arcades, case, man. If that's the case, I'd recommend you to read a book called Ready Player One uh, by really? Ernest Klein. So you, you will love that. That's a very it's good fantastic. Book. Well, there yeah. you have it, folks. Um, some reading advice. Uh, what was it called Ready? again? Um, it's, uh, Ready Player One, and I think it's by Ernest Klein. Uh, it's it's all about Dungeons and Dragons and classic arcade games and kind of eighties music. It's fantastic. It's very good. Awesome. Oh, yeah, there it is. Huh. I'm already looking up on Amazon. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I might also re- I would also recommend, um, oh, damn, I don't have it, The Ultimate History of Video Games. Of course, it's kind of pretty outdated at this point, but it has really <laughs> good stories in it. Uh, oh, there's a Kindle edition. That's good. I could yeah, finally right. use my Kindle Fire good. for something and instead of just for, like, Sonic comp downloadable comics and some i iPhone style games. <laughs> My poor Kindle Fire really gets used. I, I wonder, Steve, are you um, familiar with the Sonic comics? Uh, Steve and Gar- Gareth. <laughs> a little bit. I, I'll, I'll admit to this. I'm not massively off favor with it. I mean, I've kind of touched with the guys when we've been at kind of some Sonic, Sonic Boom, and I've seen the stuff there. Uh, but most <laughs> of the time, you know, I tend to keep my background towards the game side of things. Normally, because you know we don't really cross the games and the comics over as much. Well, not intentionally, oh. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> but uh, what about the uh, the British Sonic comics? Yeah, Fleetwood. Even with that, I mean, I remember kind of back, back in the day. It's, it's something which I've not really seen a lot of more recently. I mean, I probably saw. I mean, the thing is, my background. I used to work in like game shops, like years gone by. So we used to get that kind of stuff in, you know, just as promotional stuff. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what happened. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So uh, I guess we'll be getting uh, to the interview segment here uh, right away. Uh, Patrick, is there anything you wanted to say before you go bye-bye for a little bit? It looks like Patrick's lost connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay, I guess... Skype did did that for us. Uh, well, um, yeah, I guess uh, Skype's saying goodbye for Patrick for now. But we'll be put we'll be on later on the uh, main part of the podcast. So let's just get into the interview segment here for 
Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. And okay, um... Now, Steve, doing uh, physics for a standard racing game is challenging enough. How was it making uh, proper physics for both uh, boning, you know, areas and flying areas in the game? Well, it's quite interesting, though, because the original game didn't have any kind of real physics at all. It was kind of all real cheatedly done. Uh, it was more like a platform game than a racing game. So one of the things we did right at the very start of the project is we, we said, look, we want to put proper physics in so we've got nice responses, the cars bounce, you know, we can play around with handling, we can play around with grip. Uh, and the guy sat and worked on that, you know, solid for about a month, just trying to get the whole the handling, but under realistic physics. I mean, we, we had a bit of fun with it, but, you know, once he got it right and we got the driving right, we were fairly certain we'd get the boat in and the air right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's been more about setting speeds, hasn't it, trying to get that right? That's been it's hard. Been, it, it wasn't actually doing the code. It was more working out what we wanted the flying and the boating to actually behave like. Actually doing the code wasn't difficult. But actually working out whether you should fly, like have a complete complete free flight model or whether it should be a bit more almost like Panzer Dragoon where you're kind of on rails but you've got an element of control. So we tried out lots of different things and eventually we ended up with a proper free flight model with where, where you're kind of enclosed by like walls and, and cavern edges and things like that. So it was really trying to work out what was actually fun to play as opposed to getting the physics because the physics engine is kind of a physics engine really it's kind of known it's it's getting the, it's getting the feeling right for it and the same for the boats as well did we want it to be you know a boat simulation or more like a, an arcade no a wobbly road for want of a better phrase it was like working out where the sweet spot was between those two if that makes any sense yeah um so yeah it was pretty yeah. pretty tough the hardest thing, really, actually, was we couldn't do anything until we'd got that nailed down. So, you know, the track design, you know, we couldn't really design the tracks until we knew cars and boats and planes would behave. So we kind of held the project a bit while we were trying to work out all that stuff. So it was really the things that were dependent on getting that locked down, if that makes any sense. I mean, you know, we, we wanted it to feel like a Sega game. And it's always been that we look at that and we're like, OK. The driving is very much outrun. Was the flight more afterburner or was the water kind of rave race? Yeah. Uh, rave runner, I should say. Race. Whoops. That's it. Anyway. Uh, rave runner. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of it, if, if you've played the demo, you'll see it's kind of now kind of seamless and it feels arcadey. Yeah. But it gives it that bit of depth. That, that's what. And what that's I'm, really what we're looking for. What I'm pleased about is that a lot of people have played it and they've come away from it and they've gone, that's exactly how I'd expect a plane in all stars racing to behave. That's exactly how I'd expect a boat. Yeah, to that's behave. so. At that's, that point, uh, we we know we've done our job because people aren't saying anything about the handling; they're just playing the game. Yeah, nobody's complaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, like if you've got a drummer or a bass player in a band, no one really comments on whether they're any good or not. But if they're playing out of time or playing the wrong notes, everyone's like, "Oh my god, that drummer's terrible." So it's the same sort of thing with the handling. When people aren't bothering me about it, I know. It's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and stopped bothering me about it about eight months ago, so I think it's okay. So just just to be clear, were you a drummer in the band? No. What were you then? I was a guitarist. There band. you go. See, see, that's why the drummer jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt when I played the game. I mean, I was surprised. I had just how well that water physics worked on, and I was really happy with that. And the the airplane physics as well is just really spot on. Yeah, there was a lot of hard work that went into those. In particular, the air drifting. Drifting in the air was a really weird one. Um, we, we realized fairly early on that we needed to make sure all the mechanics were present in every single mode. So at first, we didn't have drifting in the air. And then when people played it, they were like, why can't you drift in? Yeah, you can drift in cars. Same so way. we're like, oh, God, we're going to have to put air drifting in. 
And that was difficult because planes don't drift. <laughs> That's not what they well, do. Yeah. <laughs> planes, how, how you work that in when that doesn't exist in real life? Well, we just have to uh, kind of imagine what it would feel like to drift in a plane. And, and really what it was was basically pull the camera out. So it was more like a sweep, sweeping sort of feel. Yeah, that, that, I'll agree with that. Sounds, it does, does feel like a sweeping feel. Like I mean, like trick planes could yeah. probably do something similar. Yeah, you'd think so. It's it's like it's generally a a, a a loss of a loss of lateral control is kind of what a drift is, or with counter steering. So we kind of just approximated that. It's like a sideways stall. It is. It is. <laughs> it, is it is like a sideways stall. Um, yeah. So that that took a while actually. Um, but it, it's cool that. though. Now you, now you can do it. Do you know that you seen like Empire Strikes Back and they're flying the Millennium Falcon yeah. sideways through yeah, like yeah. a cavern. It always reminds me of that. I think yeah. it takes when you yeah. do it. Right. We, we took a bit of um, uh, inspiration from a, an Xbox Live game called Skydrift. I don't know if you've played that. Um, it's a it's a basically a, a racing game in with planes. Um, and they have this thing called knifing where they put the car, the plane like on its on its its end basically. So you sort of um, you sort of could glide through things. So we looked at that and then sort of thought we want something a bit similar, um, and then tried to fit it in. But yeah, it, it took it took time. It was that was one of the hardest bits, I think. Okay, uh, Nux. So can you give us any details in the, on the 3DS version? Yeah. <laughs> <I'll> be one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're kind of slaving away to it right now. I mean, to be honest, it's one of these things. We, when Sega are ready to show, I think we can talk a lot more about it. Uh, really, for us, we're just trying to make sure it's got as much of the same kind of content you'll see on the other platforms and make it as pretty as possible. The reason we've not really shown much in it at the moment is because we're just trying to get the frame rate kind of sorted out versus the visuals. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't want to show something which was misleading. So once that settles down, we'll certainly see if we can get some screen. There's other things as well where all of the kind of visual cues for when you're earning boost and when you're boosting and the weapons and stuff, if you just translate them um, straight onto a 3DS screen. They don't always Stand work up, yeah. because it's a smaller screen, basically. So we have to rework all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's what we're doing at the minute to make sure that you know you can really see when you're drifting and boosting on a small screen. So that's a that's what I'm focusing on. Steve's sorting the frame rate out. I'm sorting <laughs> sorting out, making it behave properly. <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right, now the question on everybody's mind, the most important question to ask on the Outrun track. Is Flagman there, and will he be breakdancing? <laughs> so this is always what makes me laugh about these games, because you'll go on the forums, or you go out, and you know, you'll be saying, oh, we've got this kind of water, we've got air, and stuff like that. We don't care about that. It's so-and-so kind of <laughs> Wait, where's, where's, where's so-and-so? You're like, and he's like, oh, okay. So, I'll be honest, right now he's not, uh, but it's something we are constantly looking at. Okay, that was more of a joke I question mean, than, than anything, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, we actually do have a flagman now for the, for the whole game, who is somebody, you know, who hasn't been a flagman before. And the big challenge has always been all about, one second, somebody's waving at me outside the window. Is that We're still on, Scott. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> So that, that's something to, to do like, some work, I think. Can, can you fix some bugs, Steve? <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying, we've got this character in now, and we have to find a character who can fly, basically, and you know, who can hover above the water and all that kind of stuff. So I think when we reveal it, people will be really excited and happy. Uh, but we're just in the process of making sure it works. Uh, that sounds cool. we got a, we got a uh, uh, brand-new flag, man. That'll be interesting. Okay, Alex? All right, so... um. 
There has been yeah. mention of in-game stickers, which can be applied to the player's license. Uh, can we expect to see some obscure cameos via the sticker system? Stickers? Oh, wow. Now, what, what can we say about stickers? Uh, we really haven't said much about this. Uh, but, you know, we, we can tease it a little bit, I think. We aren't going into too much detail. But basically, what these things are, they are things you will earn and locate by doing certain things in the game. And you'll eventually build up a collection of them. And then you can use those to kind of customize your your license, shall we say, yeah. online. Uh, so, you know, if you're a fan of particular things and you want to put that forward so people know, you'll be able to do that. Kind of, is that kind of like a Smash Brothers thing where they, you know, collect stickers and such? Well, they, the, the stickers themselves don't really, they don't make a change to the gameplay. Uh, they're just for kind of a customization. Yeah. We have something which does change the gameplay, but I don't think we can talk about that. No, we're not allowed to talk about that. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not like stickers as in, you know, stickers that actually go in um, in little sticker books like in Smash Brothers. They're more like just like little badges of, you know, bits and pieces from the game and, you know, other Sega bits and bobs, basically. But you, I'll, I'll warn you now, these stickers, you do have to earn them. Yes. They're, they're not some just given really to hard. And, some, and there's some really cool things you've got to do to earn them. There's one sticker for getting every other sticker in the game. That's the I think you, I think you just said Sega bits outside of our, <laughs> with, without meaning anything on our, our you know, uh, website. <laughs> I have to take a drink for that one. Sega bits and bobs. That's the first. <laughs> have you got a large bottle? I might do this for a while. <laughs> Are you going to be revealing the entire roster before the game comes out, or will there be some? Unknowns that will be revealed as people play the game. This, this is a difficult one for us to answer, really. It's more of a Sega kind of question. Yeah. Uh, they, they decide, you know, when they want to reveal a character and get some new kind of people interested in the game. Uh, I think there's going to be at least a couple we're not going to talk about until the game is well and truly shipped, though. Uh, there's, there's one very cool surprise which we're not going to talk about until the game is shipped. Really cool surprise. Right, awesome. So you, you just one of these, Are we not saying that before it comes out? That's not a secret. No, of course not. It's a secret. Huh? Mm. <laughs> Love surprises, though. We'll keep that one. We'll keep that one secret. Sega. <laughs> and Alex really wants Sega to send Shiro. He's been up on arms about it since like April. Uh, you and <laughs> but, the, uh, you, did, you did use Nike, so you know. It, that, that was my top character, and you did use Joe Musashi, which was my second character, so you're, you're doing pretty good so far, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're real yeah, happy campers on this end. <laughs> so, it's one of those things, we always, we always laugh and joke about Sagata Sanchiro being a playable character. Uh, it's actually a bit difficult, because he's actually a real-life person. <laughs> So we, you know, you, you've kind of got to approach him and go, do you mind being in the game? And then you're going to have to pay him to be in the game. Yeah. And apart from that, you see how violent that guy is. Dude, he chucks people about like nobody's business. <laughs> All right. Uh, can we expect uh, any new All-Stars moves for returning characters? I mean, new, pardon me. Can we expect new All-Stars moves for returning characters? For example, instead of skating around the track, does Beat do something brand new? I... Uh, I mean, the, the problem we had was um, all the old all-star moves don't work in the air and they don't work in water, so they've all had to be redone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which has been a, a, you know, I won't lie to you, a bit of a headache, to be honest, because we've needed to come up with all-star moves which will work in land, sea, and air, which has um, been fun. Um, in fact, it's been one of the most challenging parts of the game, actually, trying to come up with cool, interesting weapons and all-star moves that work on all three surfaces. 
Um, so yeah, in fact, that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, I'm just finishing those off. So yeah. Alrighty. Um, are, are there any flight-only stages or bone-only stages in the game? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got game modes purely related to um, to, to flight and, and water, and you know we, we chop we chop the tracks up into different pieces. So yeah, as you probably know already, like the Panzer Dragoon track sort of changes dynamically. So you're flying one level, one lap, and you're boating one lap. And in, in certain sections of the game, we will we'll just do a race, which is just three laps on the land section or three laps of the air section or you know a different game mode where you have to fly three rings and in the air mode and, and stuff like that so I mean, yeah that, and that's the beauty of it. you know when we've got the fight we can have land air and sea and we can change the configuration of the tracks around as much as we want it, it just opens new possibilities and to I mean to be honest one of the problems we've had so many ideas it's like picking the ones which oh yeah the best. yeah there's loads of content it's funny like the people on the dev team will sometimes go past my tv and they're, they're playing it they go What's going on there? I'm like, oh, this is the bit where you fly through rings and you go over the top of the Panzer Dragoon Temple. And they're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know you could do that. So there's stuff all the way through the game, which... Oh, that's true. Actually, thinking about it, that's a completely different route to what you normally play as well. So, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you're getting like an you actually extra level. fly right into the actual sort of side of the temple and through all the... Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's loads of stuff to find and discover. Yeah. It's Good. huge. It is. We, we can't stress how big this game is. It's, it's gigantic. Um, it's a monster. It's been difficult to wrangle it all together, to be honest, in time. But yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with it. it. Sounds great. Sounds like it's got a lot more uh, meat even than the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> it's come a long way since All Stars Tennis. I mean, I don't know how much we can talk about the World Tour sort of stuff that we're doing, but and um, yeah, the, the, the actual, if you compare the mission mode and SSR to the mission mode we've got, or the, you know, the sort of challenge mode that we've got in this game, it's significantly bigger and more, more varied. Not, not, not to mention the fact we've got it across like four different difficulties and yep. you can choose any character you like. <laughs> yeah, you can choose any character you want in any of the missions. Um, you've got branching missions, that you, can, you know, you, you can, when you complete one, you've got a choice of going in different routes and unlocking characters down different strands and stuff. So yeah, it's... It's big. It's big. Okay, well, since we're going in that direction, I'm going to go ahead and jump uh, one of our questions up. Uh, can you uh, talk a bit more about the uh, single-player campaign mode and what's involved in it? Um, we're just checking our notes to see if we can. Yeah, we're okay. We can talk about that. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So the, um, the, the actual sort of single-player campaign... Um, I guess if you wanted a, a comparison, it would be something similar to kind of like... Mario Galaxy, where you basically play you play stages one after another, and they're they're all linked to each other. So you, you go down the path, um, and the first one would be you know like a race or whatever, something very straightforward. And then after that, you'd come up against a, a ring race where you have to fly through um, rings in, a, in in play mode only and do stunts and things to progress. And then at that point, you might get an option to go and choose you know uh, the Panzer Dragoon level or the Gold Max level, and then on each one of those, there'd be a slightly different game mode involved. Well, that's that. true. I mean, what we what we do with this, we kind of break it down into a number of chapters, and each chapter has kind of a theme. Yep. Uh, you know, like one might be a sunshine tour theme, you might have a, a frozen theme, and things like that. So you you'll get a very different visual feel to those areas as well. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, and the, and the big, I suppose, the cherry on the cake is all this can be done in four play. And that's the best bit about this game, actually. The bit I'm most pleased about is that, yeah, you can play the entire of the game. Uh, pretty much in, in four-player uh, split-screen. And then you get really interesting co-op stuff where we've got a mode called Traffic Attack where you're basically driving through traffic trying to avoid being hit, basically, and, and going through checkpoints. 
but you can pick up weapons where you can blow the traffic up and then you can work collaboratively. So if someone gets a really powerful weapon, then you can all sort of like get behind him and he sort of smashes all the cars out of the way. He's he's through. And, and it's something we've only really started playing properly over the past couple of weeks. So I'm staying late into the evening um, playing, you know, cooperatively with some of the guys on the dev team. It's really good. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. And, you know, we, we kind of hope it's a kind of thing. Friends can play together. You can do after the pub. You know, my mums and dads and kids can play together. Yeah. It's, it's designed in such a way that anyone can just pick up and enjoy it. Well, I've been doing racing games for well over 10 years now. And I've always wanted to do a co-op racing game because it's something that's not really been done before. And this is getting pretty close to it because, you know, you can pick up power-ups and you can pass them to other people. So, you know, if your friend's near the back of the grid, um, and he needs, you know, he needs a boost or he needs a homing missile or, or whatever. Yeah, and you've got one in your bay. You can press a button and pass it into his bay as well, which is quite interesting. That sounds pretty awesome. Okay. I mean, I... yeah, like, I, I, the way I see it working is, you know, I'm, when I'm playing with my, my five-year-old uh, kid, you know, she might she might not be able to play very well, but what she can do is go around hoovering up power-ups and giving them to me and stuff. So, because as long as one player finishes, all players. Finish. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of work together on stuff. We, we, there's a lot of interesting modes. It's it's good. It's good. Um, it's revolutionary for a racing game. Yeah, so it's a long, it's a long campaign. I mean, I'd say there's a good six to eight hours in the single player, and then you've got GPs on top of that. And there's all the all the difficulty levels again. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I hope you didn't hear that. Um, so yeah, there's there's tons. I mean, to get through the whole game, it's going to be a good 15, 16 hours. That's it. Oh, nice. uh, and, and even then, and then, and then getting all of the stars on the hardest all-star difficulty, that's rocket. It's going to be ages. It takes ages, yeah. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex? It's good to hear that it's going to have things deeper than the Mario Kart's uh, GP mugs. So, oh, yeah. um... Uh, the the battle arenas we we haven't really seen many of them pretty much just the super monkey ball arena. Mm. Um, have the number of arenas grown since the last game? Uh, yes. <laughs> how many did you do in the last one? Uh, we had three in the last game, I think. Pretty sure. Yeah. And we've got more than that, so yes. <laughs> yes, there's more. And we expect to see IPs represented as arenas, but not as tracks. Uh, no, that, that's one thing we don't do. Because we've, we've already got quite a lot on this plate designing 16 brand new tracks worth of uh, IPs. What we've done with the arenas is we've kind of taken the idea that we'll use the same IPs, but there'll be a different location or a modified version of our location. Okay, your, uh, hmm. Alex, your second question I think is pretty pretty much answered. There. Yeah, oh. I mean, I can just expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, can, we, can we expect the game's multiplayer both online... Can we can we what can we expect from the game? They're both online or off. What features um, of the game modes will I be? Can't heard, Hang on, guys, I, you just broke up. Then can you ask that again, please? Oh yes, yes. Okay. Um, what can we expect from the game's multiplayer, both online or off? Uh, well, what features or game modes will be offered? Okay. Um, well, we can talk about online first, I suppose. You can be fine. There's no problem. Um, we've got a kind of. Um, it's kind of a playlist-based, almost kind of Halo or Call of Duty-style um, kind of competitive mode. So you've, you've got basically three different playlists that you can take part in. Each one of them, you've got like a ranking score that you um, earn points on if you win. You lose points if you if you get beat. 
um, and you can play races. There's variations on races where there's one called Battle Race where you've got lives basically where every time you get shot you lose a life and when you've been shot three times you're out. Um, oh there's, my God. Uh, there's races without power-ups because I know a few uh, people were keen on, on having races without power-ups. Straight race. Straight yeah. racing. Um, Pure race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still debating uh, the name on that. Um, and what else is there? Yeah, you can do battle mode online. Uh, um, you can do caption chat online. Um, no, 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 not too much details on what you can do. Oh, right. well, what we, we can have some modes online. Yeah, um, we've got lots of stuff to do online. I mean, we, one of the things we said last time is we really wanted to kind of expand the online thing. Uh, mostly because at the end of it, you know, we had a very limited time to get the online work, especially with something. This time it's been kind of key. You know, we were definitely wanted to get online working. We also wanted to make sure you could play online four players. So you can take a split screen yep. group online. Yeah, that's that's quite important. Yeah, and there's a vast amount of game modes and stuff you can play online, and that's that's just the matchmaking. We also have a thing we call kind of custom game or party play. Uh, where instead of it being a lobby where it just rolls around and these automatic timers and you know you vote on what you want to play, uh, you can actually just set up a private lobby, invite your friends in and choose any of the game mods, any of the tracks and do whatever you want to do. Yeah, um, and all-star moves work online as well. Oh yeah, all-star moves do work online. They do. That was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, we, they're, they're working online. Um, and so, they're, they're interesting, at least. So yeah, we're still working on those and getting them all finished off. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great to hear because... I know last year they, I mean last time they, they didn't have it online. Basically, because it became a cheat for the yeah. people who were playing poorly, they were getting kind of rewarded for that. So uh, that's great to hear. As, as I recall, couldn't we include last time due to lag issues? Oh, okay. Well, the, the problem we had last time is that every single move was completely different to the point where we'd have to individually network them in a particular way. Yeah. And it, it was just because the All Star moves were kind of finished quite late in the project. It meant we just couldn't get the networking done in time. This time we, we've tried to do it in a very similar, in a very different way, I guess, where the moves aren't, aren't the same, but we have common kind of underlying mechanics, so the networking is actually straightforward. Yeah, so, so we've got kind huh. of three, main, three or four main archetypes. So we've got like all-star moves that do homing missiles. We've got all-star moves that do sort of blast AOE effects. We've got all-star moves that fire projectiles. We've got ones that drop mines. And then through those archetypes, we then build all the different all-star moves that we need. So, you know, Eggman's homing missiles would be, you know, the, the code would be similar to another character's homing missiles, basically. Well, um, of so, course, they all have totally different art. They've all got yeah, yeah. Animations, they, they've got brand they have different music, reload like, rates. Oh. They, some fire one at one, uh, at one time, some fire three, some, uh, some spin the cars out, some flip the cars out. So from that actual code base, we can embellish and get quite different moves but we know that they'll all network together. Whereas in, in the previous game, they were all kind of done individually, so they'd all have to be networked separately, which was just too much time. I think. Yeah, too much time. So, yeah. All right. I, uh, you've had, of course, your major fans, and uh, some people have been upset with you at time. Have you ever had any disgruntled knights or Big the, uh, Big the Cat fan <laughs> ever call you Steve? Mr. Steve lies set in stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know, I, I take so much grief and stick on the forums. It's beyond a joke. I don't, okay. <laughs> it's a, everybody laughs because I do it, and they all laugh. They think it's hilarious. I'm there getting, getting really angry because I don't go on. Somebody said something bad about the game. I'm going to sort them out. You know, but uh, I don't think I've ever been accused of telling porkies. Uh, I try. Well, to be honest, one of the reasons I do the forums is to try and just rein people in a little bit and go like, you know, realistically, guys, you're not going to have 200 characters. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you can keep writing those lists out, and you might expect a character from a 1984 game, only released in Japan, which you got through with a pack of the cornflakes. That character might not make it in. What, what does make me laugh? Um, yeah. it's, it's just the, the obsession with characters on the forums. You know, it's almost sometimes you read these forums, uh, the forum person, you go, I don't think you guys really care that much if it's a good or bad game, <laughs> as, as long as your guy's in there, <laughs> which is quite interesting to, to me anyway. Because I mean, obviously, I, I you know I love Sega from from back in the day, but I wouldn't call myself a super super hardcore Sega fan. No, really, um, really you know, com- <laughs> com- compared to the dudes on the internet, you know, and and they they are, they seem to be so obsessed about getting a particular character into the game. Oh God, yeah. Oh. I mean, recently, and, and anybody who's been around the community will probably know this. I, I did a an experiment on the forums to see whether or not we could ever approach the forums to go like, all right, you can have three characters, which ones would you have? Uh, and if you watch the whole process, it was fascinating. You know, people were like rigging polls, they were like lobbying going off. I was getting private messages <laughs> with like threats Online and all petitions. sorts. It was <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's amazing, you know. And it, this, what's great about it is there's such a passion out there for yeah. these kind of IPs and these characters. And, it, and it's and it's so obvious when you talk to these people how much they love it. And it, it's nice to be able to give them some of what they want, but you can never give them everything. Honestly. Yeah, it's like um, the pan, when the Panzer Dragoon level came out, and we, we started showing it to people, and they were like, "Oh wow, I've not seen Panzer Dragoon for such a long time. I'm so pleased it's in the game." And you can just see the the delight on their faces just as they won the past TV screen that shows and, and it, Well, the great thing, I mean, the first time we showed it in public, we did it to a kind of a bunch of journalists, and we'd not give them any kind of information. They kind of knew we were doing an All-Stars game, they kind of knew it had kind of Sonic and stuff in it. Uh, and we just went, oh, we're just going to show you a bit. And as soon as Panzer appeared on the screen, we heard the crowd gasp. Yeah. And we went, right, yeah. we've nailed it. And me, and Alex, <laughs> me and Alex were at that, and Alex just yelled out, oh, Panzer Dragoon! <laughs> <laughs> Though unfortunately, I, I seem to be one of the only people at the American press that was particularly excited about it, which was a little disappointing. But, you know, they they want their halos in Call of Duty. Now, I, I, I read on a hands-on yeah. preview from uh, I guess it was a link from Neil Gaff that the Wii U is uh, not shaping up as much in the graphics department compared to the <laughs> PS3 or 360. Uh, oh God! So, so, no, no, I'm, I am taking this. One. Yeah, please. I am so taking this one. So this, this, this the is most really, overhyped story. This, of this is this is hilarious because we we've been watching this kind of develop, and uh, what what actually happened is I think the Wii U was kind of shown behind closed doors at Gamescom, uh, and at that time that bill was about two or three weeks old because we were so busy just getting stuff done, we couldn't actually get a new demo together. And the ironic thing is now is the Wii U version is probably the, the best-looking one, the one which is most developed. Uh, the hardware, now we've got to grips with it, is really kind of giving us the ability to do all kinds of things. Yeah. And so every time we go out there, we see like people going, Wii U is going to be terrible, it's going to be awesome. Steve it's going to be nice. Awesome. The Wii U is I, mean, I, mean, I always get the blame. Uh, and I think I went, to, I went somewhere and somebody said to me, oh, what's, what's a game like on Wii U? And I said, oh, it's at least as good as a PS3. It's not better. Was my actual quote. Yeah. And from that, there's this huge controversy. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Alex showed me that on Sega.com. And then people are saying, oh, Wii U is graphically equal to PS3 and all that. Oh, God. One thing that really irritates me about the video game press is that they will, they will misquote and sensationalize anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember Takashi Azuka several times has been misquoted and 
mischaracterizing things. It's been getting really irritating when they when they do when they do this with things that I'm following because it's like, no, you're wrong. You're I'll being morons. I'll, I'll give you a really good example. When, when I was working at Bizarre Creations, PGR4 had just come out, and the journalist said to me, "So you're thinking about PGR5?" And I said, "Oh, we'd be mad not to be thinking about it." And then the next day, it said. PGR dev confirms PGR five. I'm like, oh god, thinking about it. Which of course you, you know, we well, just shipped yeah. five of the damn things over the past ten years. So, so you've got it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, this is it. And to be honest, the other I day, trouble about that as well. I bet you did. I did. Yeah, I, I didn't my trouble about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes me laugh. You know, there's this obsession about the Wii U and you know the specifications. And and to be honest, I, I find it, you know. I find it weird in a way because at the end of the day, surely it's the games that matter yeah. how good the games are and what games are on the system, it's which is really important. I, I watched the live the live sort of announcement today, and I, I nice really, I really want one now. Actually, do you want? One? Yeah, I do. I've seen some of the games. Yeah, they announced it too. Yeah, I really like the look of it. There's some really cool games coming out. Like the Rayman game looks mint as well. Have you had a chance like, to try Rayman Legends yet? No, no, I've, I've not seen it. I've just seen it. Um, well, I've played the original. Um, and, and oh, well, then you'll, you'll be very happy with this. Both me and Alex got to play it at uh, E3, and we were just blown away. Oh, okay. Best Wii U game. Really the best game at the show, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Well, cool. not, I mean, not, not counting yours, of course. Of course. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that, that goes without saying. <laughs> <same. laughs> okay, so, speaking of this Wii U, I'm seriously considering that version over my PS3 because of all the bonus features. The only thing holding me back is I got a lot of friends, uh, online friends on the PS3 version. Uh, what are the what advantages will the uh, Wii U version have over the other versions? Well, we haven't got into too much detail because this is one of the areas we've got to be a little bit careful about what we talk about. I mean, obviously the first thing is the DRC, sort of the DRC, I keep calling it DRC. The gamepad offers us all kinds of new kind of things. You, you've got that for a start, the asynchronous play. You know, you can have a player who's got like a different window, a different view on the world. And that can be an advantage or a disadvantage depending what game mode you're playing on. So I mean, the, the Monkey Ball one, I think people have seen where... You know, you're on the DRC, you're on... I keep going to the DRC! Hit me every time I do that. <laughs> <laughs> the gamepad... So the DRC was a code name for gamepad before it came out. Ah. what it stands for, actually. I, I don't right. uh, mm. So you've got that screen, and you're the monkey ball, you know, you can see where the players are, you've got a map, and they've just got to work together to get away, you know, and it, yeah. it's really interesting when you've got that kind of stuff. And, you know, when we looked at that stuff to start with, we, we kind of went, asynchronous games, you know, what, what works like that? And then you just remember going to school, so you've got Tiger, you've got British Bulldog, you've got all those kind of crazy... Yeah. What's British Bulldog called in America? Is it Murder Ball or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Murder Ball. I don't, it, it's, we've got a game in the UK where basically one person is it and then everyone else has to run from one wall to another and not get caught. And if someone gets caught, then they join that, that team and then they catch other people. Um, and we've got a mode like that as well. Can we talk about that mode as well? Uh, you came in for... Okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a, a few where we use specific game modes. And yeah, they all, they all revolve around the, the guy with the game pad having a, a specific power or, or strength and the other guys are... are yeah, are the, the, the asymmetrical you know. thing going on with the Wii U has really got me excited. Yeah, yeah, the monkey ball one's interesting because uh, uh, the way we've got it is you, you're a, a small monkey ball to begin with. You roll around. When you squash someone, 
it makes your monkey ball get bigger, basically. Um, and then eventually the monkey ball is massive and it's chasing down <laughs> one person. But if the other get, if the other player who's left alive, if he runs over someone who's been squashed, he brings them back to life. Um, so as the monkey ball, you have to decide. You can kind of guard all the squashed people um, or you can go chasing after the other people, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good. It's interesting. You've got to get that kind of session. I mean, I'm outside of the Wii U-specific stuff as well. Obviously, the bottom screen we can use as a map. We've got kind of weapon cameras on there. Yeah. And the rear view is really cool, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if you're playing a game, because one of the things people always say for the Wii U is, you know, oh, you've got to keep looking down. Uh, you're not looking at the screen. So what we did is for rear view, rather than having it on a button or something like that, what you actually do is lift the Wii U up in front of you, and it immediately switches to show you a rear view. So you can lift it up, see what's behind you, pop it back down, and, you know, you're not having to look up or look yeah, down or refocus or anything like that. And it's just really, really natural. Plus, of course, five players play. That's just yeah. so awesome. That is that, that, actually, all out of everything, the two best features we've done is the five-player split screen, which is just badass, and you can play the entire game in five-player split screen. And also the the, <laughs> the flipping of the the game from the big screen to the little screen. You just, you just do it with a swipe, so you can be playing on the big screen, and then I don't know, your girlfriend comes in and wants to watch Pop Idol or something. You can just flip the screen down onto your onto the little gamepad, and you can just play seamlessly. And then when she's finished watching that and wow. gone to bed, flick it back up onto the big screen. And that is without doubt the killer feature for it. If you, if you say. Because, you know, the amount of arguments in houses, you know, with families, with, you know, the kid wants to play his Xbox and he can't because everyone else wants to watch TV, all that just goes away. You know, he can actually take his, the gamepad upstairs into his bedroom as long as he's not going too far and carry on playing his game, which is great. I think it's really, really, I think, really it looks, good. I think it looks great on the screen as well. Yeah, it looks, it looks brilliant. It's actually one of the really good. big Wii U features I'm looking forward to. I wonder how long... Uh, oh, did anybody disconnect? Uh-oh. Okay. No, no, we're still here. Oh, thank God. Anytime we hear a moment of silence, we get worried. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Alex, you're, you're, you're up. I saw a video from PAX... And the frame rate is looking great, especially compared to what we saw back in April. What's the process like in getting a game to run as smooth as you need it to? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Did, you, did you hear that noise? That was us going like, oh, God, don't talk about the frame rate. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what we're looking at at the minute. Um, it's a combination, really, of, of looking at what you've implemented from a code perspective and trying to make it better and more efficient. And then looking at the art and basically removing things that you don't see very often or are, or are too detailed. Because the artists, they, sometimes they get a little bit carried away and you know, put <laughs> yeah. massive, massive textures and on, on an, object, on, which is on like, an object which is just millions of miles away. So it's like when, whenever you get on the screen, it's like five pixels big, but it's like 10K textures. Yeah, like, what? You just need to be careful and just go, you know what, we can spend you know some of the resources on the big monkey temple, but maybe... The birds which are flying away in the distance, they don't need to be, you yeah. know, not even there. You know, sometimes we'll go, you know what, we don't need this. You can't even see it. Just remove it. Um, and, and it goes around. You know, there's other things, you know, sometimes the way the tools work, set the design up for the levels, you know, maybe we've got too many things in the level. There's too many pickups. Yeah, that's what off. a lot of my guys are doing at the minute. They're going through and just making sure that when they're triggering events, they're doing it in the most efficient way. Sometimes they're getting carried away and have an event, a trigger link to a trigger link to a trigger link to a trigger. And that's very inefficient, so they get told off by the programmers for that. So it's just lots of little things. 
everywhere, really. To be honest, the frame rate, if, it, if it's bad, it's used like a death of a thousand cuts. There's just lots and lots of small things which you want. It's never one big thing. Yeah. And you just optimise and just chin it down until yeah. you get to the point. Yeah, of physics on. sometimes causes problems. Oh, the water. Yeah, <laughs> the water, the water. Oh, God, the water, yeah. Um, the water has been optimised and optimised. And again, you've got to be careful there because if you optimise it too much, it just becomes, you know, a, a very, it doesn't look like water anymore. It looks like a wobbly road sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of clever guys, much cleverer than me. I don't get involved in it. Um, yeah. Actually, you know, working out where they can save wizards, save save, save time, really. Coding wizards. There's no, there's no real. Well, I mean, just just one last thing. It's actually having a good tool to tell you where your game's being slow is is very helpful. So you know, you can load up the tool and go, oh look, we're spending all this time in physics, or we're spending all this yeah, time I mean, in animations. Or... I'll be honest, this week we've, we've had what I can only describe as the most boring graphs ever sent around the room, uh, with each one of the levels of frame rate over time, and these graphs are bobbing up and down around yeah. like a desired line. And you just look at where it's gone slow, fix that, and eventually it's all under the line, and your frame rate's fine. Yeah. Graphs. See, graphs are boring. Yeah, and then it also <laughs> gets fun, because then you've got to make it run at a good frame rate in four-player split screen. Or even online. five players like oh, screen yeah. on the Wii U, so you have to make it work and, and that. And make it, ah, so, so yeah, the uh, Wii U doesn't, uh, there's no sacrifices in the Wii U version or to get uh, graphics running on, those graphics running on an extra screen? We, we, with everything else, I mean, the same again. You will need to do something to make sure you can render it five times. But, you know, you, you've got to look at the Wii U hardware and realize it's like seven years newer than anything else. So we, we have the benefit that it's a lot more Just the sheer amount of RAM, extra RAM helps. Um, yeah, a lot of games definitely. You don't, you know, trying to, trying to draw five viewports simultaneously on, you know, 256 meg or 512 meg would be tough, but the fact you've got a whole gig of RAM hanging around <laughs> does help. Yeah. Um, awesome. Particularly when you built the game for, you know, 512 meg machines. So, you know, having double available on the Wii U just really does help a lot. Hope is new to us. <laughs> it does. So, um, Richard Jacques is obviously um, re remixing the best Sonic song, Sonic song ever made. Uh, Can you feel the sunshine? Um, will be will, will there be other cool um, remixes for the game? Well, I, I hate to break this to you, but I don't know why you've heard that. But it's not. Oh, true. I, th I thought <laughs> I read that in Nintendo <laughs> what, Power. Really? All the music we've done in the game, we don't have. Can you feel the sunshine? Uh, we've got oh, set oh. up with a different uh, yeah. Sonic R game. I mean, we've we've got uh, on the seaside of Tommy. I don't just got to remember this. Tommy, I think we've got you can do anything, which of course is from Sonic CD, uh, but not the American version, bizarrely, because that's Sonic Boom, obviously. Uh, and we've got everyone I think that's Sonic the, Racing. That I think we chopped that. Oh, okay, so someone must have gotten that mixed. That would that uh, would be me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that would be you. I mean, I used it in all kinds of trailers, and it's in the arcade version of the original I saw. <laughs> uh, but not this, not this time, so you know. But Rich, I mean, Rich has been great this time. I mean, what, what we did is we sat down at the beginning. We looked at all the tracks. We picked what we felt were iconic music. Uh, but the, one of the things we have to do is to make sure the music works, because it's dynamic. And basically, the music will change as the tracks change, as the cars transform, and things like that. We have to pick music which will sit together. So if one's massively, massively faster than beat, and tempo than another piece. When you do that transform, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So all the music's been picked specifically to work. We've picked stuff we think is iconic. I mean, if you've you've heard the Panzer tracks, I'm sure uh, you probably yeah. heard the Monkey as well. Yeah, you've had uh, Flight as I recall. 
And everything's had a slight contemporary twist. You know, we, we've tried to bring it up to date what, a little bit, yeah, but whilst being respectful to What's it. great about Richard, well, there's two things that was great about picking him, because obviously, you know, when we decide what to do with music, we get lots of people, you know, offering to do music for us. And firstly, the fact that he just knows everyone at Sega and he knows everything about Sega is just brilliant. And you can talk to him about, you know, Jet Set Radio and go, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? And we go, you know what? I've probably got the original of that kicking around <laughs> on a DAT somewhere. Which is just brilliant. He's got all that. And he knows all the composers personally and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, I just love his production. The way he produces, it, it, it's got that really high quality sheen to it um, without it sounding poppy, you know, or, or like... It still no, sounds like video game music, but it's got it's, it's such high quality production. production value. Value. It's the sort of thing. I, I'm, I'm not one for really listening to to video game music in on in the car or something. But this is something that I really do think I, I could listen to. Well, at home. We really should do a soundtrack CD. We totally should do a soundtrack. CD. We should. We really should. Or at least allow them to be downloadable. On and, and the great thing, of course, is you know, in some cases, specifically some tracks, and there's, there's one. I can think of straight away, which is not even remotely oh, to mention. So common. But we we've, we've managed to get you know original big voice from Japan. We've got they've actually they've had to go out and remaster and get uh, old DAT tapes and unformat. You know the kind of really old analog kind of stuff. Get it into digital. Get it across so we can remix it and bring it back up to date. So there's there's going to be some music in this game that you've not heard for a while, which yeah. are real oh fans. My. Really, really pleased. And with a real you know brand new shine to them. I think I think musically. This is way past anything That sounds ever awesome. Done. So, uh, it's, it's really good. yeah, that, that does sound good. Um, and if you put it on iTunes, you know, we will buy it. I spent $30 <laughs> on the Rhythm Thief soundtrack, so. <laughs> I, you know, this, this is, I mean, I'm sorry about this, Kelly, but this always fascinates me. You know, I always wonder why there's not like a Sega store where you can get Sega soundtracks and T-shirts and hats. Yeah. Uh, I, I, people would love to buy that. I think, I think they're missing out there. Yeah, yeah. Probably buy Sega. Yeah, that's but, but, but Sega. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, this is a fun question for me. During uh, Sonic Boom, it was asked uh, by the audience what genre of game they'd like to see for a uh, another All Stars game. You know, uh, and they actually, and when the fighting games were mentioned, they just went nuts. They just absolutely roared. Now, hypothetically, of course, if an All Stars fighting <laughs> game were to happen, not that such a thing would happen, of course. Uh, what kind of fighting genre would you prefer? I mean, the Smash Brothers style, the uh, Virtual Fighter style, maybe the classic 2D Capcom style? Wow, you see, now this is, this is my fault, because I think I actually, <laughs> when I was on stage, I said, you know, we're almost done with this one. What would you like next? What about, and I, and I stood in front of the ground, would you like a fighting game? Ray! Would you like a football game? You could hear that just... <laughs> They probably were confused if you meant American it, football or soccer. Like, does he, does he <laughs> soccer? <laughs> uh, it's funny though. It, to be honest, it's one of those things that we, we constantly talk about doing a fighting game. You know, it's it's working out how it would work because it'd be so difficult. You've got to think you've got really small characters versus really big characters, and you'd have to find yeah. some way of leveling that. Yeah. I mean, we, we've joked about like a you know like a mech-based virtual on-style combat game where you could just chuck him in huge virtual on-style mechs, and then like Sonic pulls Eggman's arms off. <laughs> you know, similarly to me, I, I don't think I'd want to copy Smash Brothers. You know, I, I think. Oh God, this is going to be controversial. 
I look at something like uh, PlayStation Battle Royale, and you know th- that kind of game's being done. And to us, I think we'd like to try and do something a bit more unique and a bit different. I think the thing is as well is we, we've got to be careful when we're picking genres. That it's something that will have broad appeal. I mean, you know, for the hardcore Sega fans, but you know, a te- you know, a tennis game or a sports game is something that will appeal to families as well, and a racing game is as well. So whatever we choose, um, you know, we, we are always thinking about the next game. We need to make sure that it, it satisfies the hardcore and is also something that people that don't know who Sagata Sam Zero is would actually still want to buy. Oh, and I, I, think that's, I think that's the difficult thing, really. Because, you know, one thing I'd love to do is just basically do a load of, like, 2D-style sort of shooter, side-scrolling kind of mini games all mixed together or something like that. So you like know, a best of saves. Yeah, you know, so like you could, a space out of level. Yeah, so you know, you could have Sonic in Streets of Rage or something like that. You know, <laughs> I just think that'd be real, but we, we've always got to make sure that, you know, for this thing to get greenlit by Sega, it has to make some money because unfortunately they're quite expensive to make these games. So yeah, they are um, we just need to make sure that whatever we do is commercially viable as well. Yeah, it's not so much catches everybody's imagination. Yeah. It would seem to me that um, the Power Stone formula would be perfect for an all-stars game i love i love that game i played that game back in the day I, yeah i i totally it's the funny thing with power stone it is so something more like power stone as opposed to something like tekken or something like that i think yeah, yeah it's something that kind of arena based yeah, group a group fight yeah, you've got group to fight you get four players yeah, yeah. <laughs> power stone's yeah, pe- no, no, I can say that that's, if we did do a fighter, I think it'd be something more like that and, and less like, you know, Street Fighter or Texas. So you're Brawl Stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny thing with Power Stone is it's so, uh, uh, so um, embedded in people that it's a Dreamcast yeah, game. People uh, still think it's a Sega game when it's made by Capcom. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm going to have to go because I'm getting emails after emails about things that I need to fix. So um, I'm going to leave you with Steve. So nice to meet you all. Uh, all right, thank you for being on the show. Okay, see you later. All righty, uh, you're up. Uh, out next. It's gone yeah. now, so we can uh, talk about so, uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're, port- you're, you're making this game for a wide variety of, uh, of gaming platforms. So, um, what goes into making this game simultaneously across things ranging from, I think, 3DS to Wii U? I don't think there's an iPhone version confirmed. Yeah, 3DS to Wii U. Yeah, I mean, at the minute, I mean, the, the kind of platforms we've got going off, we've got Wii U, we've got PS3, we've got 360, we've got uh, 3DS, obviously, we've got PlayStation Vita. And PC. I mean, when you look at the kind of spread of power across those systems, it's actually quite varied. Uh, and you've also got to take into account things like screen size and audio abilities and kind of online support, and just try and support every single one in a way which is complementary to what it's actually got. Uh, so it's quite a challenge. You know, you've got to look at something like there's got to be three different levels of graphics. You know, we kind of look at HD, uh, PC, Wii U, and 360 and PS3 have a very similar graphical level. The Vita, because it's on a smaller screen, we can look at that as a different graphical level. We can actually cut it down a little bit, but not massively. And then 3DS is uh, obviously different again. We've actually got to make it work for the hardware. But the challenge there is because it's in 3D, uh, you've also got to design it in such a way the 3D works as well. You know, Lots of really contrasted colors don't work particularly well because you kind of get a ghost in uh, and after images. 
So what we try and do is we, we try and split off art as needs be for each platform, even though it has like a common core base. Uh, and then we produce a series of LODs for every single art asset in the game, from the very top platform right down to the lowest end platform. And we can move between those LODs in any platform in any way. And, you know, and sometimes, in fact, you know, on, on HD, uh, on PS3, you know, we might actually use some of the Vita assets in split screen, uh, just because once you've got four screens and it's smaller, you can actually drop the quality, and that helps us keep the frame rate up as well. So it's all about balancing all those different art requirements and CPU powers against, uh, you know, what's what the final game needs to run like. Yeah, one, one thing that was really impressive about the uh, last uh, All Stars game was how, um, how 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 consistent it was from every from everything from the DS to the 360. And, and we, and, you know, we we purposely try and do that. I mean, our, our goal is really if you had to buy this game, uh, regardless of the system you buy it on. It's the same experience and it's got the same kind of content in there. You know, sometimes things have to change to be slightly different, but wherever possible, you know, you want people to feel like it doesn't matter which version they buy, they're going to enjoy some have fun anyway. All right, I'm, I'm going to divide this uh, next question in two because uh, I okay. think I think it, it deserves two answers. Uh, what is your <laughs> favorite uh, Sega racer? My favorite Sega racer? Oh, yeah. right, that's easy. That it's Outrun Two. I don't even have to think about that. Does that does that does that? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. That's that's good. That's Outrun Two was one of, was one of the best games to come out of in the last decade. So that's a, that's a good answer. And uh, what is your favorite Sega IP character and why? Oh God, no, that's difficult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, feel free to say nice. No, every I say nice. You know, I'll get lynched if I don't. Probably. <laughs> It's uh, it's hard for me because I've been around for a long time. <laughs> I'm getting old now. And so to me, whenever I think about Sega, it's always my kind of holy trinity of like Afterburner, Outrun, and Space Harrier. And I, I always find it difficult to pick between those three because I was much more of an arcade gamer. Even though I had the consoles and everything else, I always loved the arcade games. So oh, I don't know. Well, AM2, there you go. You can have AM2. Does that count? <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're looking for like a single character. Based a single? Idea. Come on. Like, uh, does he have to have arms and legs? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> to be honest, everybody expects me to say Sonic, but I think the character we have the most fun with, uh, just because, you know, you can really go to town with it, is Gilius, I think, from Goldeneye. You know, <laughs> Gilius Thunder. You can Thunder, the animations, you can go crazy with a voice, you can, you can do so many things. And it will... I'll, what I wanted to do, and especially when we're looking at this game, is when we're trying to work out what Gilles' vehicle were, you know, I wanted to kind of reference, kind of, you know, the, the giant turtle you, you fight on the back of and the huge horn. And so we went, oh, right, how can we even possibly do that? And that's that's why we came about this kind of idea of a Ray Harryhausen kind of magical creature, which transforms using Gilles' lightning magic. And it, it just allows you to go mad with just creative ideas like that. It's brilliant. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Gilius, and I'm, I'm sorry to say your fans <laughs> everywhere. Um, now, um, is there anything you couldn't use in the game that you'd like to add in a third All-Stars title? Wow. You see, now, that's, again, that's typical. That's really hard because we've got so much stuff we've not shown yet, and if I say anything, people will instantly know it's not in the game, so I'm going to have to decline that one, I'm afraid. 
Oh, wait, all right. Um, now, where all right, can I get an awesome Jason. name like Joe Neat? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably have to be related to him, and his mum and dad would have to give you the name. <laughs> you, could, you could probably uh, marry into the family. Oh, no, Joe's, Joe is available at the moment. So I'm, uh, you know, you can marry him and uh, be Mr. Neat. I don't know. <laughs> Johnny, you know, Johnny, the worst thing is, right, this this is an actual true story, and he's going to hate me for telling you this, but when he went to school, there was Joe Neat, and there was a kid, I'm sure the guy's name was John Tidy, and they used oh to my. sit him together <laughs> with Neat and Tidy. <laughs> Isn't that awful? That's terrible. Oh, my God. Um, is, it, <laughs> is it worrying to, at all that, uh, <laughs> to have your game coming out during the highly competitive month of November? I mean, there's a... A lot of game, uh, games clamoring for people's wallets, and not to mention uh, Little Big Planet Karting, which I guess will be you guys' uh, direct competition. However, there's no Mario Kart on Wii U, and there's no, you know, real competition for you there. Or do you see uh, this game having real long legs to do well throughout uh, 2013? To, to be honest, I mean, all the All Stars games, whenever we've done one like tennis or racing, they've always done really well. They're, they're kind of evergreen titles. The kind of games, because the, I think there's a demand out there for games you can sit down and play, which are non-friendly, you can play with your family, you can play in four-player or five-player in this case. And it, there's just not that much of it about. And so people love those games just to be able to pick up and play them with their friends. And, you know, you don't really have lots of competition in that area. And there's, there's, there's quite a few karting games and things coming out around Christmas. But, you know, when I look at what we've got going off, you know, we've got cars, we've got boats, we've got planes, we've got transforming stuff, we've got great online, we've got great features, we've got great depth in the gameplay and the world tour mods and all the rest of it. So I'm not, no, I'm, I'm being arrogant about it, but I, I really do think we've a good chance to stand out from the crowd and do something different. And, you know, realistically, this, this kind of game is the kind of thing you normally only see on kind of Nintendo systems uh, ever since the Dreamcast was kind of the last Sega console. And people still love this kind of game. And, it, and it's great that you can get it on Xbox and you can get it on Wii U, you can get it on Vita and 3DS. You know, a lot of those other games, you really can only get on yeah. one system. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'll be, I'd like to see where it goes. And I, and I hope it's well received. And I, I really think it has got a good chance to be kind of creatively, commercially and critically successful. And we've, we've poured love and hours and attention into it to try and make that a reality. Honestly, going by uh, what you ha what you've uh, talked about in regards to the single player and the multiplayer features, this do really does feel like the game that's going to make Seg Sonic and All Stars Racing a premier racing title in the gaming industry. I mean, th and this is the truth. I I'd like to think that you know, if there's a box you need to take to make a racing game kind of positive and successful and appealable, that we've really tried to take every single box we've got going. Um, if anything, do you know what I'd love? What I absolutely love is if when I see whatever the next Mario Kart is, they've nicked an idea of us. That would be brilliant. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> next Mario Kart game is going to be um, going to is going to have the same um, kind of four new uh, 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 track track courses and the four and four remade track courses. Maybe some more online features and. You know, that's, that's how Nintendo's been operating for a long time. They, I, I don't expect we'll be in the bank. The criticism of Mario Kart, because, you know, it's a fantastic game, and I love it. But I think, in a way, they're, they're kind of trapped in a little way by the success, you know. Anytime you try and change the formula, uh, you look at something like Double Dash, uh, and the fans oh, yeah. are quite sensitive to it, you know. And 
And in a way, it's, it's kind of good where we are because we've got a game out there and we've got like a cult following from it. And this time we've really stepped his game up. And I hope when people play it, you know, it has a good word of mouth because the first game, and especially look at the iPhone version, I mean, it's on 10 million copies or something daft like that. It's huge. So I would wow. hope with a bit of brand recognition from that, people will see we're doing something new and something different, something fresh. Uh, and it was sexual off the back of that. It'd be great. Huh. I really hope. Okay, Alex, you're up again. All right. Um, now then, there, the the, uh, the lineup of IPs in this game range from the arcades to the Dreamcast, but we're not really we're not really seeing a lot of uh, recent Sega games like um, so far. So, will more recent Sega games like uh, Valkyria Chronicles, Yakuza, Bayonetta, and Rhythm Thief, Rhythm Thief have any kind of representation? Okay, so the problem with a couple of those is they weren't actually out when we started. <laughs> Rhythm Thief, yeah. So, so Rhythm Thief, <coughs> Rhythm Thief specifically, I mean, they, they probably developed that entire game while we were like still getting all our grips on the pre-production. I mean, the thing we've got to be careful with, whenever we do a game like this, we have to make sure that the characters we pick and the, the kind of locations we pick kind of gel together and work as a whole. And we also always have to keep one eye on the age ratings. So if a game is kind of considered too violent or too gory, too, too evil, you know, a bit too adult, then we will probably shy away from that character because we want to keep the age rating down to, uh, you know, kind of an E10 plus, something like that. Um, so, yes, some of those characters are probably not going to make it to the roster. And we, we do try and keep a kind of very classic Sega feel to these games uh, just to keep them approachable and friendly. But who knows? Who can say what's going to happen in the future? <laughs> and um, are, you, are you just using voice samples from previous games or will there be any new uh, sound bikes from, from, from the newer voice actors <clears throat> one of the reasons we, we, we try and recycle voice samples in some cases is because trying to get an entire cast of this game I and mean, when we look at the roster uh, we've got some of like 29 characters depending on which platforms you look at uh, if you had to record all those voices and there's a lot of voice work in this game and localise it it just costs a huge amount of money. On top of that, you know, when you look at certain characters, these, the, the actors are no longer available, or they're out of contract, or, you know, they just simply can't recreate the same voice they did, you know, in some cases up to 15 years ago. So we, we try and reuse voice whatever we can, but obviously some cases, some cases we, we some, one second, the food's just arrived and now they need the money. <laughs> <Nope>. yeah. um, <laughs> It's true, but, you know, we've, we've got to make sure. But we do record new voices where we need to get new voices. Uh, I can think of a half a dozen characters now we've got brand new voices for, uh, just to get it in. And it's a balance of making sure, you know, the budget spent wisely on VO compared to just making the rest of the game shine. Uh, and it's a tricky balance tonight, but it's something we just have to do. All right, well, thank you. All right, well, I yeah, think that's everything. Thank you so everything. much for being on their podcast. I really appreciate it. No, no not a problem. And I hope I haven't bored anybody and Gareth's just not talked <laughs> No, I think it's been great. Uh, Patrick, is there <laughs> anything? I know you've been very silent. Is there anything you wanted to say before we uh, go off on this segment? Didn't yeah, he I get think disconnected he did. Okay. some time ago? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll reconnect <laughs> with him for the uh, second part of the podcast. Okay, thank you so much, Steve. Uh, Son- Sonic and Angus, uh, Sega All-Stars Racing, November 20th. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, do you know what? I can't wait either because then I can have some time off. <laughs> yeah, I think you uh, convinced me on the Wii U version. I'll be picking that one up. No oh, man, seriously, I think I think I think it's being shown today as part of the uh, the Wii U launch. Um, uh, you know, the like kind of launch event, and I think people will be really surprised when they see it running properly. 
they'll be really surprised. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, now up for a music music break oh. and on to the news. Hello, my name's Big because I'm very big. Do you like fish? Me too, but Sega fired me, so I need monies. Come down to Big the Cats, that's me, place. It's a jungle of the mystic ruins near the old Echidna Temple, and I'll sell you some fish. I got all kinds of fish. Um, big fish, little gift fish, gold fish, silver fish, but you don't really want those. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. That's from a book. It was very hard for me to read. I've got a special deal going. Give me some monies, and I'll give you a fish. Give me more monies, and I'll give you two fish. Remember... Wait, I forgot. Ooh! Remember to come on down to Big the Cat's place in the jungle of the mystic ruins near the old Echidna Temple. Come and say hi to Froggy. Froggy, where are you? Oh no, not again! You dog frog, I should have showed you for frog legs, you Thank you. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Sonic Talk. Hey, I thought I was still hosting. You are, but <laughs> I wanted to say that. Okie doke. Well, now it's time for the news, and uh, Patrick will be with us for the rest of this episode, as long as Skype holds out. That reminds me, before we move on with the news, um, I I, I wanted to uh, introduce everyone to uh, Patrick properly, since he kind of got overshadowed with the whole Steve Lysette thing at the beginning. Yeah, Uh, yeah. uh, Patrick is uh, known as Corey Maru on Sega Bix. Uh, Patrick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, it all started when I was uh, four, <laughs> and, and um, that's basically like how I got into Sega. My brother had a Sega Genesis, and my very first Sonic game was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And so on afterwards, that's when I really got really hooked into Sega with their new consoles and, like, you know, the Sega Saturn, the Dreamcast, Game Gear, or whatever, what, any, anything Sega. I'm, I'm very hardcore when it comes to Sega. And you've, I'll, been, uh, dressing, and you've been cosplaying a lot. Oh, yes, cosplay. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge anime geek, too. Um, I, my very first cosplay uh, was Sodom from Final Fight and Street Fighter Alpha. It was around like in, I think, 2008 in, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. And like when I actually, my, fer- my very first Sega uh, character that I cosplayed as was Agent G from The House of the Dead, Overkill. Uh, it was around the time when uh, Sega announced the House of the Dead Overkill for the Wii, uh, I think in 2009, October 2009, I believe. I'm, I'm not sure about the date, but, you know. Yeah, it was uh, it was um, fe- uh, March 2009, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, February. Exactly. And, um, but, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, and at, th- th- at this Comic-Con, you were dressed up as, I believe, G and uh, uh, Joe Musashi, and we got some pictures of you. Oh yes, yes, yes. I was um for like at first I was just, I was uh I was trying to get to um the Sega Arcade first before heading to Sonic Boom, but like my mom and I kind of had like trouble finding like uh, parking spaces. It was like a whole lot of people, and it cost like about like five to twenty dollars just to park. And I was like, man, I was like, oh, uh, I must was like this cosplay is Joe Masashi, but uh. Sonic Boom event. <laughs> All right, uh, now let's move on to the news. Jason. All right, and uh, let me go back to our notes. Okay, with Sonic Adventure 2 approaching, Sonic Adventure 1 and its DLC have been cut in half. So now it's cost like, I think, $5 for just the main title. Pretty sure I, I already bought it, so it's irrelevant to me. Yeah, it's irrelevant to yeah, most people. Sure. I mean, if you... If if you're holding out on buying Sonic Adventure two, 1, then there you go. But otherwise, most hey, people Sega, have already got it. I got, got an it. idea. Why don't you put Sonic Adventure 1 on the Vita and then give it to us half price? Then, th- and then we'll be happy. Not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but uh, somehow incorporate the Chow Raising VM hey, segment into it. 
And speaking of Sonic Adventure 2, the uh, achievements have been leaked, including uh, achievements for raising chows. It's pretty uh, much all, all I story. I am going to be able to complete this one. Yeah, it's it's pretty it much is, all for not, story. Yeah, it's, it's it's not like it's not like not the levels. Well, it, it is about the levels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about the levels. levels I'm not be... very fond of, especially knuckle stages. Oh yeah, like, so not God, the frustration. It's it's them ugly ghosts, man. It, 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 it's, it's just the way they incorporated the uh, shard hunting compared to the first one. The first one, if you were near a shard. It was going off, and you can find it. This one, you have to get yeah. a certain shard in a certain order. And it became a huge, huge pain in the ass, especially when you're playing as Rouge in the uh, prison level. I was about just about pulling my hair out on that one. That's the one thing I like about... Uh, I think a lot of people are dissing Unleashed, but I think I'd rather play as the Werehog a hundred times. you got to pause for a minute, guys. As Knuckles or Rouge. And... Uh, we're going to take a uh, – Alex has, to, has his cable guy here, so we're going to have to take a quick break, and we will be right back in just a sec. Okay, but what we really need is – oh, uh, yeah, I'm back. Okay, what we really need for chow racing – oh, wait, chow raising. Chow raising. Okay, we, there should be yeah. some sort of online component added to this, like sending your little creatures to other people and stuff and racing them and fighting them online. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. It's always seemed like that. Uh, it's always seemed to me that that the the child have been sort of something of a missed opportunity for Sega. I'm surprised they haven't spun them off yet in some way. Anyway, it, 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 like in mobile phones and stuff in Japan. What? Uh, they had like uh, I think some mobile games and stuff for mm-hmm. cell phones in Japan. There was actually a game called like I'm not sure if it's called like Child World or anything. It's been a while. Huh. They, they kind of spun them off, but like in smaller devices and stuff. Well, that'd be perfect. A perfect that, that that would be a perfect thing for them to do for like the iPhone or something. You can like pet them yeah. and stuff, or or flick them in the and f- them around. I was very abusive of Mike Chow. <laughs> yeah, and they had a the Tiny Chow Garden. If they they could have made a spinoff off of that for the Game Boy Advance, like yeah. maybe like at all the mini games on there. Yeah, I think so, because people really enjoyed the chow-raising aspect of those games, which surprises me. Make some sort of Nintendogs type game with chow. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was just made for that, you know? Okay, and the new Wreck-It Ralph trailer is up, and if you, uh... What happened was, I thought it was the uh, American trailer, but no, if you can find the Japanese trailer, uh, there's a scene with Sonic outside of his PDA Camryo, but you got to look real quick as he's in the background. Basically, uh, I guess oh. the, the little vil- the little uh, villager guys at Ralph's apartment that he wrecks, uh, he's trying to fit in with everyone, and he knocks on their door and accidentally wrecks it, and they, everyone twists around to see him, and they're all shocked, and you see Sonic in the background looking... Out in him, so that's pretty cool. Uh, plus, <laughs> we just found out after the interview segment that uh, Sonic and Eggman and um, one of the Altered Beast bosses uh, from Sega are all going to be on the Wreck-It Ralph poster. Yeah, is that the is that the snake? Is that the um? No, the snake is Coily from Cubert. Okay, well, so what, the purple rhino. See... The purple rhino is from Altered Beast. That thing is okay. I guess it's no different from the purple snake, but doesn't look like a demon god. Huh. Well, it's a purple hmm. rhino. I guess they can demons come in many forms, you know. 
But, yeah, I mean, that's some pretty awesome news that we got Sonic on a movie poster. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's very badass cute. right there. Sonic and Eggman, no doubt. Yeah, Sonic and Eggman. <laughs> With Bison on the side. <laughs> and Hubert. Hubert's got a big it, part in this movie. It's a shame that they didn't get Mar- that Nintendo d- didn't let Mario be used in this. It seems like such an obvious thing to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, also, a new Where's Waldo type book called Where's Sonic will be released <laughs> sometime in October. Uh, I think in both the UK and I think the US, it's from Scholastic. The book seems to use a Where? bunch of uh, CGI stock art. And a I thought different that the forms. whole Where's Waldo craze died like a decade ago. Well, these are all yeah. kid children's books, of course. <laughs> Where's Sonic? There's Sonic. He's the only blue hedgehog in the bunch. <laughs> 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 all right. And uh, shit has gotten real. Ken Penders has managed to have Diamond Comics distributors stop delivering copies of Knuckles Archives Volume three to comic specialty stores. That that just sucked. I I read about that man. He, I, I think he really needs to stop. Just just stop. I suspect that uh, Diamond Comics is probably just uh, erring on the side of caution. They're not a they're not a particularly well liked uh, entity in the comic book world because they the, can unfortunately they're a monopoly. They're the only ones that yeah. Can, uh, Take them through, except for new. Well, newsstand. Co- they'll still be newsstand copies, and of course, digital copies. It's kind of like a Comcast, you know. It's a. It, there's. It's a, they're, they're the only thing around. So what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it no, kind of no, sucks, but I'm surprised that Ken. I'm really surprised Ken was able to get it to to go this far, you know. Because the whole copyright yeah, thing, I just I just don't know how that can hold up. But I'm I could understand him wanting to get you know his share. Of the what do they call that residuals? Because uh, royalties, I think is what yeah it's residuals like, uh, royalties. That's all that but, Scott um, Shaw wants. You know, Scott Shaw isn't trying to get copyrights. Yeah, I, I and I, I'm uh, with Scott Shaw on that. In fact, did you did you hear about the DC Comics uh, Robot Chicken special? They had uh, Captain Carrot and the yeah, Amazing Zoo me. Crew in it, and <laughs> Scott Shaw didn't get a dime out of that. And those are but his characters. But I mean, um. Robot Chicken, I don't think has to because it's all being used under fair use. Well, kind of. It's a, no, it's a deal they made with DC, and D, um, DC has a contract with Scott Shaw where any um, any um, of his characters that appear in other media, he has to get a small cut of that. Huh? And they haven't paid him anything. Well, that I sucks. guess he has to sue them now. Yep. Um. Crush 40 has a live uh, CD heading out in October, and uh, hope, hopefully an iTunes version won't be too far behind. It's a yes yeah, or, or, uh, am I the only one, only one who doesn't really care for for Crush 40 stuff outside of the video game things? I think they're all right. I, I really yeah, enjoyed them yeah. at Sonic Boom. I was having a blast listening. Yeah, to yeah, they were Sonic cool. Boom. Of course, uh, 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 Jolie's really, really energetic whenever he gets on stage. He has a lot of fun with these, with these c- kinds of concerts. Oh yeah, man, he goes yeah. crazy. <laughs> you can tell he really enjoys it. <laughs> I wonder, does he live in Japan or is he? Uh, I know he's got a pizzeria in Newport Beach, so I'm wondering where, where exactly he lives. Oh, it's Jolie's Pizza, huh? 
I thought his name was Johnny. I have some of that. I really don't know. I I I I I I have difficulties remembering the names of the Crush 4D people. I'm pretty sure I I could swear it was Jolie or maybe it was like Johnny Jolie or something. Maybe I'm misremembering it. I'm gonna go Google them now. Let's see. <laughs> anyway, uh, while he's doing that, uh, uh, more news. Just we're going through the news real fast here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. A human parody of Sonic will appear in a. Console War anime series called In the Center of the Blue World. I've ca- I've constantly tried to get this up on the Sega Bits friend page, but I have difficulties writing it because I, I I got to take a look at the um at, at some scanned graphic novel pages, and Nintendo is very obviously the bad people. Mario's like engulfed in flames and has this evil looking pet lizard, and Luigi's <laughs> this kind of evil-looking guy munching on mushrooms, and Donkey Kong is this massive monster. Just <laughs> this, this, this is being done by a Sega fan person, by a Sega fanboy or girl. I forget the author's name. Um, yeah, Johnny Gioli. So we were both right. Um, so um, yeah, but at the same time, and we, we like we, we've got human versions of Sonic characters, Tails, Gix cut in yeah. half in like the opening bits of the uh of the of the uh of the graphic of the comic you know it it has things that you would expect to find on De- deviant art but they're making it into an anime apparently so yeah. <laughs> i really don't know it, what to it, expect it, didn't they uh wasn't there a character that like uh ario from puyo puyo Oh, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I know that so the characters I've seen so far are Sonic, uh, Tails, um, Opa Opa, um, Niel from Fantasy Star. From Fantasy Star, uh, this weird guy with a pole. I really have no idea who he is. And um, uh, what was what was the last one? Damn it! I have to go into Sonic Stadium now. It was a, it was a female character, I think. Uh... I think that's her. She has like this little short haircut with the ponytail on the back. I um hmm. Ah, oh, dang it! It's not on the front page anymore. Uh oh, there it is. Uh, what? Where to go? Come on. Ah, yes, there we are. And uh, yeah, oh yeah. And there's this girl who appears to represent columns because there's all these jewels behind her, and she's called Ramses. And then you look at the Nintendo cast, and my favorite by far is Link, because he looks. This is what told me that 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 the Nintendo was the antagonist. Link looks fucking insane. <laughs> like he, he looks like one of those really unhinged um, anime uh, anime characters. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah, it so, looks, um, it yeah, looks this, pretty this interesting. Looks uh, I hope I hope that we at least get some sort of fan sub, but we'll have to see. Lu- Luigi, it looks like looks like they even got some of the characters down right, like Luigi, who has yeah, Luigi is the best. His picture, he's all freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, battle mode comes back to uh, Sonic Adventure 2 as DLC, which uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. It wasn't really all that good in the original game, so knock yourself out, Sega. <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed uh, Battle Mode. It had like more levels and like Looks- more characters that are already unlocked. And I used to 
go crazy when I play against people and stuff. I always use like a for the racing segments. I always use Metal Sonic because he had like fast acceleration. <laughs> What's up? I used to beat him all the time. What's up more important is that we have Big the Cat back. Yep, he's uh he's returning in background cameo. So he was in the original Dreamcast version and then taken out for GameCube. And yeah. Ken Balu went out of uh, Ken Balu Ken Balo went out of his way to uh, add him back in. <laughs> so would you say that Big was rehired for this, or um, or are they just using reusing old footage? I think they're just reusing old footage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, I think that's all of our news. And um... with my residuals, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get you'll get them once you get off the pot, Big. All right, now it's time for Comic Talk. Sonic number 240. All right. It's been a little while since I've read this one. Um, Jason, refresh my memory. Well, it's almost like a Sonic Universe issue because uh, Sonic's just barely in it. He's still involved with uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mercia, and it's basically Eggman attacks First. Mobius with Sonic not there, but, of course, you got Perfect. the uh, Team Freedom defending <laughs> The uh, village, along with the new secret freedom fighters. Yeah, um, I, I felt that this was probably a better introduction of the secret freedom fighters than their actual introduction. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, pretty that, obvious uh, what what uh, that, that that this was supposed to be told in a certain order, and it just wasn't. Yeah, that's the one problem I have been really having with the Sonic universe right now is that the uh, secret freedom fighters ongoing story should have been told later like in the fall and put the chaotix you know a story arc ahead of that during the summer because otherwise it's way out of order i mean you're getting introduced to the characters in the main book while they have their first adventure you know taking place three months prior which is insane yeah i really archie i guess is still kind of getting the handle on how to do crossovers but um i really hope that they kind of figure out that it's, it's best to try to tell the stories in order. I mean, remember when um, uh, Sonic, I think it was Sonic Universe spoiled this thing in the main comic? Yeah. And another problem is uh, that, they, one, they make uh, the, the Metal series just look weak at, in comparison now. Oh, Metal series has kind of been done now. And let's not forget, it was, they were, it was going up against, like, um, the two two different teams of of uh, combatants. They were so they were grossly outnumbered, and they didn't have. Well, the they, got, they got silver, and silver is like ultra powerful. And uh... the medals have typically always been more most formidable when they are even when they uh, are not outnumbered. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. like the original Metal Sonic, um, but and they treated oh, they treat Metal Sonic now like he's disposable. Basically, he can be destroyed as much as they well, want. Well, when you start using field. Metal Sonic regularly, he kind of has to become disposable. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he, I, I I like to think of it as in they've dealt with him before. He's nothing new. They know how to take him down, so they take him down. Story progression at the a at lot of. It, at least in this case, it was actually a better Metal Sonic that took him down. The uh, one of the originals. Yeah, well, the original. That, that's uh, was still uh, had more power backed into him. <laughs> in case uh, I don't know if Patrick follows the comics, but they got a one character, new character called Shard, who was the original Merrick, uh, Metal Sonic that was uh, buried in lava and stuff, and he's been uh, kind of reprogrammed, and he's one of the heroes now. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Uh, it was back in the '90s and stuff. Uh, yeah. What was that issue? I can't remember. I remember like it was like Sonic and Tails was in some sort of lava or something. Uh, yeah, Sonic, yeah, that metal uh, Sonic kidnapped him yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically they brought him back, but he's on the good guy's side now. And yeah, he's, got, he's got a lot of personality. Yeah, but in any case, in, in regards to number two forty, I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was um, a nice step up from where the comic's been from for most of the summer. You know, lots of action, some really nice character chemistry, uh, good, f- funny writing. You know, all the things I would expect from a good from a good uh, comic book. I enjoyed oh, how they I, had. I uh, have a question. Um, yeah. I, this is this is not related to. Um, I have something to say, but it's it's related to the comics, but it's not about this issue. Oh, that's Have fine. you guys saw uh, the picture of uh, Danica Patrick with uh, all the Sonic? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Sonic, that's yeah. something I forgot to mention on that. Yeah, so basically in Sonic Universe 45, it's going to be an adaption of Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. And that's a good thing you mentioned that because I didn't put that in the news notes. Uh, Danica Patrick is going to be a, a comic book character in that issue along with like Beat and Vice. Vice. And, Vice. Yeah. Is it all worth it? And yeah, uh, I, 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 I guess. So that's going to be weird. I'm sure yeah, he that... does look weird on that drawing. He looks like something Well, like... you know what it is? Is that was an actual picture of her that they just scanned over to make it look like a drawing. Huh. Yeah. I, 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 on I the forums, wish, they showed kinda, that. Yeah. I kind of wish that Sakura was in the game or something like that just to make it feel better. <laughs> or something, or Vectorman. Yeah, it'd be cool if they get some of those other Sega characters in that one issue. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, as cameos well, at least. If Ian is smart, he will just focus the storyline around uh, Vice and make everyone else just periphery characters. Anyway, my other <laughs> little complaint. Yeah. <laughs> my other little complaint about the issues, uh, besides uh, Metal Series being cannon fodder, is uh, the Kingdom's own soldiers are basically. Have been rendered pretty much useless by oh, the two. They've always been useless. Fighters. <laughs> I mean, for for gosh sakes, they're like what bears with guns. <laughs> and they here's can't a, even here's attack a fact the, about uh, this, about the comics. They can't even fight against the uh, Eggman's robots. Here's a fact about. So they have about, a little a little six year old rabbit girl <laughs> kicking more butt than them. Here's a fact about the comics. The kingdom has always been pathetically defenseless without a bunch of super powered kicks. They've. Like, the king has been incompetent, the military has been weak. They've always relied on a few specific and a few special individuals to get anything done. And without those individuals, they would have all been exterminated a decade ago. So this is really nothing new for the comic. Especially the uh, soldiers being useless, because if they weren't useless, then there'd be less of a need for uh, for these other characters. That's true. Um, all right, so it looks like this thing's going at a pretty good clip, which is uh, better than yeah, I expected. Yeah, but we should uh, probably take a break, uh, break before game talk, so I can uh, check on check on the cable guy, make sure he doesn't need me for anything. All right, get her done. He's a cable <sighs> guy, I gotta say that. Yeah.
And we're back. This time with uh, Sonic Unleashed. Uh, I put some notes down for anybody who wants to check them out. Uh, these for our, you know, our staff here. Anyway, I, I have, even though this game had several different faults, I, I still love this we're game. Not. I mean, yeah. this is this was really the turning point in the Sonic series where everything started to go uphill again. Well, really, GX and I personally both put it at uh, Sonic and the Secret Rings as kind of the beginning of laying the fa- foundation because it shares a lot of similar elements and it's actually <laughs> polished and stuff. Yeah, Sonic and Secret Rings uh, had some of those elements. I mean, it's you're going forward with Sonic behind the camera, kind of a left and right thing. It was more on yeah. rails focused, less uh, focused, pretty much. Purely on speed and running and platforming and uh, yeah, because uh, as they've uh, developers have already talked always talked about doing um, Sonic in 3D is very hard to do because he's got to run fast and he still have to have all the geometry in place and still have to be able to jump on the character on you know platforms and bad guys and it's really hard to do if you got a camera that's going all over the place. So having the fixed camera mm-hmm. solved a lot of those issues. But this this thing had such a big big production to it. I mean just <laughs> right from the start you have this insanely awesome introduction with a uh, like a 10 minute CGI or 5 minute CGI movie. Yeah, it's probably Sonic's... one of the first really good in uh uh opening cutscenes for a Sonic. Oh, it's easily it's the like... best opening cutscene for any Sonic game. Yeah, that that was the best. Uh... Sonic punching a whole bunch of robots and he's just going all supersonic and, <laughs> and yeah. chasing. Oh yeah, oh man. And chasing Eggman around in space. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, can you imagine if they had made if they had made that actual gameplay? <laughs> that, that, that would be they crazy. They probably could have done that. No, not 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 the, those kind of graphics. Well, no, not with those kinds of graphics, but they but um like. With the gameplay of start, you starting out as Sonic, busting up Eggman's fleet. Oh, flying and, around as Supersonic. Yeah, flying around in space yeah. as Supersonic. I mean, certainly the the, he- the Hedgehog the Hedgehog engine can handle that kind of scale. Yeah, but yeah. I kind of preferred it the way it was because it was such a awesome like a movie quality to it. I really yeah. liked it. That's also when I think. Um, Jason Griffith started not sucking. Yeah, Jason Griffith was really starting to get into the role more, and this is unfortunately one of his final roles as Sonic. It was, yeah. was kind of like Secret Rings, a, and um, I'm not a big Jason Griffith fan, but I thought he was really. Oh, I hate start, him by and large. Yeah, but I think he was finally getting into the yeah. into the you know smooth of things. Don't hate the person, mind you, just the voice before anyone gets yeah, a hold on me. <laughs> I like one of the moments where you actually like when Sonic does a trick and stuff, like Jason Griffith just like just expresses himself like like he, he says like, Woo, feeling good and it just it, it makes you it makes you feel good yourself, you know, when you do all those awesome tricks. Yeah, it um it, and it actually sounds like Sonic. Not like yes. whatever the heck he was trying to do in Sonic X. I'm still not quite sure how to, to describe that. It was like, not quite sarcasm. It was like, almost like he was trying to, he was talking slow for everybody. Like, hey, everybody! Uh, I'm not quite yeah. sure how to describe it. But he had the same emotion constantly. You, you talk, yeah. constantly talk like this. How are you of, doing? Of course, to be fair, Sonic in general and Sonic X had no emotion. I mean... 
the Sega, the, the, the anime didn't actually didn't exactly give him much to work with. This also brought about Eggman's most insane plan ever, in which he destroy the, almost destroys the planet. planet. <laughs> it blows it up into seven big chunks. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, if something like that happened in real life, millions would die. If in the, if if not, the whole world would basically explode. I mean, what's what's keeping the, the, the all the all the uh, land from just drifting off into space from, if you're gonna from start there, using uh, outside real of life. outside of gravity? If you're going to start using real life, when Robotnik blew up half the moon, those pieces would have rained down on the planet and caused a mass extinction. Pretty much, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, this series has not operated on realistic logic for a very long time, if ever. <laughs> <laughs> to what avail does he blow up seven ch- uh, the world into seven chunks? Is but because he wants to build his Eggman land <laughs> amusement. I think park. it had something to do with uh, uh, getting Gaia out of the core of the Earth. Yeah, he wanted to wake up Dark Gaia to uh, use its powers just so he can have his Eggman land. He never really seems to think these things through very much, does he? No. Yeah. But uh, then uh, Sonic falls to Earth, and we got Chip, who's. I don't really think Chip was that bad. It's I think not that bad. Was... I think I don't like his voice. I don't like the way he talked really okay, during it. Okay, yes, his voice if it was of... If it was more like, a, uh, thanks for asking, Mr. Monster Guy. Yeah. You know, if, he had, if, he, if, and... if they had kept him quiet like in Night of the Werehog, I thought, thought he was great in that. Or just like in the backgrounds, he would do a lot of expressionistic stuff. Yeah. I think if they had kept yeah. it up down to that, I think it would have been a lot better his voice was kind of um, GX, echidna I I will say that. But yeah, um, uh, really, probably some of the best cuxings in this game were the silent cuxings, like those uh, those three sharks that you could unlock. Um, yeah, they're hard to find. You had to buy them at certain times in certain places. I think the, I think the funniest good. one was the uh, one in Shannon when they uh, they're fighting over the. Uh, dumplings. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the best one ever. Really, I think that kind of just proves that Sonic Team, that Sonic really should be a silent attack. Yeah, that night of the Werehog. I mean, that animation team does some really quality. Oh God, stuff. yes, and it's actually not a bad short either. And, I, yeah, Sega um, honestly should have tried to get that screened in theaters over October. The animation on those were, sure. so, were such were so squash and stretch and flowing. They was were very awesome. Yeah, They're supposedly the, the working on um, on a uh, Captain Harlock movie. Yeah, I wonder about what's going on with that. So I'd love to see that. Anyway, and then uh, I'm sorry, Patrick. That cutscene where uh, Sonic and Chip were uh, fighting over the dumpling. There's like uh, that very last end where like Chip like takes off and tries to eat the dumpling like they in slow motion the, uh yeah they, yeah they changed that like he had more drool in his mouth i think that was in the japanese version i'm not sure he had like more drool than the other one it kind of i don't yeah. know i just wanted to give out a fact maybe i always like the that. uh title of the japanese version sonic world adventure because that's basically what he's doing is traveling throughout the entire world i mean the unleashed cut yeah. part just comes because he turns into a werehog at night but it's really felt more like a Sonic Adventure 3 than any previous Sonic game before, except for maybe that crappy Sonic 06. But Sonic 06 was shitty. Was a, like a shitty 
late gen late late Xbox game. You know, uh, made for the Xbox, pull early. up to the 360 and PS3. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, late and, uh, Xbox, early 360. No, no, just late Xbox. I mean, th- didn't have anything on Cameo. <laughs> yeah. And really shitty, really, really made, really poorly made is just. I kind of lost track of what I was saying there. But. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and it didn't have a it had a really poor hub area in that one. This one's a lot better. It's more constrained. Sonic uh, slows down uh, while walking around during these hu- during these hubs, and uh, they yeah. gave the 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 you know villagers a bit more personality than in previous games. I mean, a lot of people didn't like the hub worlds. They just wanted the menu system kind of thing. But I but I think this gave it more of a you know big open world feeling to it oh the the hub worlds make this game feel like if pixar made a game it would feel like sonic unleashed you know the atmosphere the music the color the animation it was just a gloriously looking game with a glorious atmosphere yeah i really enjoyed that i mean you got you got you know kind of silly characters like professor pickle and uh, Wentos. I'm a fan favorite. <laughs> Wentos is still one of my fan favorites. I mean, he's a shy <laughs> traveling salesman who runs away from you when he sees you. Yeah, this was the first. Times. And then eventually he whips out this chow puppet that he talks with. This there. was the first uh, Sonic game since Sonic Adventure that had this kind of um, whimsical personality. Like, remember the uh, in Sonic Adventure we had the the we had like this this little love story between these two NBCs and this. Other girl who would talk about the um, burger statue and how it would go places, and then you could like pick it up and throw it in the sewers. And yeah. <laughs> oh, like well, in, also, uh, in Sonic Adventure. Yeah. Also in Sonic uh, yeah. Unleashed, the the humans were more like cartoon characters. They they fit in with Sonic's world a lot better. Yeah, though they still should be furry animals. Well, yeah. I mean, they should have some furry animals. I mean, it should be more like Dragon Ball, where you gotta. Mixture of humans and animal characters walking around yeah. the same area. But yeah, Wentos, hey. everybody loves Wentos. Yeah, well, uh, there's this one lady on, uh, I think it was, was Empire City. Like, she uh, covers up news reports and stuff. She, she is very well made. I have to give Sonic Team, like, props for that. Just, <laughs> yeah. I think I knew the news reporter girl or whatever. Yeah. And then there's that one girl who wants to get into the hip-hop uh record scene or something like that or just a wants oh, yeah, to be a singer yeah. yeah there's all these little side stories that are completely alternative you don't have to you know do them but it's it's cool that they're there because they open up a lot of little extra levels in the game and really th- thicken it out although the, the game itself is as thick as it gets for sonic games and you got it can take you up to probably 10 to 12 hours just to finish this game now wh- where sonic unleashed really went right was in the level design of the um, daytime stages. Now that the there were issues like the QTEs could come out of nowhere and kill you and kill you instantly, and sometimes the the stages were made for cheap deaths. But by and large, every but by and large the control was very tight. The um, level design was was very tight and very fast, and it was the it was the first really the first game. That really let you just let loose like this, just blast through these massive areas, and it's something that um, no other game has really tried to replicate outside of the Sonic uh, franchise. E- even in the ra- e- even in, in the racing genre, you don't really 
see games that move like this. I mean, see, yeah, there's times yeah. Sonic would just get too fast and he couldn't see where you're going to go next. He, he, can, he can go super, super fast in this one compared to other ones. And really, I think after the Sonic 06, which was slow and clunky and ugly and poorly designed, mm-hmm. they, they kind of like oh. had to go in this direction and pull out all the stops and make something that was very fast and polished. And yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another thing. It was it felt very, very polished on the daytime levels. especially Except for some frame rate issues, of course. Yeah, it depends on the, which system you yeah. buy it for, too. I mean, uh, 360 was all 360 is, uh, is like 30 frames per second, and the PS3 version was like, it'll, it'll go to 60 and then drops to 20 or something. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, they cut off the... Uh, they usually have like a frame rate buffer in most games where they'll they'll just try to keep it at a consistent frame rate, and they turn that off for PS3 version. So there'll be times it would get up to 60, but most of the time it was sub-30. But um, the one thing that kind of, I think kind of showed that Sonic Team was still kind of trying to find its way and figure out how to um, balance length and length with um, the speed stages was, of course, the inclusion of the Werehog. Which was kind of the repeat, which was kind of a needless, a needlessly repeated mistake of past Sonic games of using other forms of gameplay in order to pad out the game. Yeah, like uh, those tornado levels with tails, where it's just a constant quick time event. Oh God, what, those were frustrating those as up? hell. It, it, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I like how like everything was set up. Like, you know. It was like a brand new Sky Chase. I'm like, it, it kind of brought back memories from playing Sonic Adventure. But like, yeah, the the QAs and stuff. Like, man, I, I want to move around tells like, like something like, if it was like Afterburner or something. But yeah, that, yeah, that they kind of they done. did messed up on that. I don't understand why they didn't just do Afterburner. I mean, look at um, look at Sonic Adventure. That what they did a rail shooter in that. Why yeah. why change that to QTE? That's another thing I guess Sonic Team was really beginning to experiment with was um see what they see how quick time events could be worked into this really fast, really speed focused game. And on paper you'd think quick time events would work quite well, but only if they're used in a very contextual contextual way, like in Shenmue when you press a button and something happens and press another button and you do get, get another result. But in this game is just pressing a series of buttons just so that he can make a jump, which isn't as fun as the, as, as the uh, Shenmue QTEs. And I really think that Sonic team should have just gone that direction, you know, have one button for one movement. And the case of, of, of course the tornado give us a don't use QTEs at all. Cause yeah, it, re- it really made it frustrating fun. during the final boss or Eggman land where you had to do that. Yeah. Constantly. Oh, yeah. It's only fun when when you're using it sparingly, like in Shenmue. If, if you even like QTE events, I know a lot of people don't. I think they're okay. Uh, also with alternate gameplay was the... Uh, this is going to be the one everybody, of course, talks about. The most controversial thing is the Werehog. I think yep. part of this is just... Uh, the silliness of Sonic turning into a werehog, people weren't were too happy with that. And, uh, I mean, but, I mean, if it was, if it was Knuckles, I think there'd be less uh, people arguing about that. I don't think there was anything that bad about the gameplay of the werehog. I mean, you're, 
You're brawling a group of enemies. Uh, then they jump around on little platforms. Do a little pole jumping in that. I mean, I'm playing the same kind of gameplay in Darksiders 2 right now. I mean, basically you climb on poles on that and you, and you battle waves of enemies at certain times. It's just that people weren't yeah, expecting and, that in the Sonic game, where and it slowed it slowed the game down quite a bit. I think the gameplay yeah, itself but, was okay, but it was too long. I think well, there's a lot of levels where it went on for 25 to 30. Warehog was an okay beat 'em up, you know, nothing spectacular. Yeah. But the X issues was that yes, the levels were too long; they were 15 minutes plus. Or in the case of the Wii version, it was three smaller levels um, combined into pretty much a a 15-plus minute where... No, it would, it would get to five levels cut to, uh, that, would, that would be like 45 minutes all long altogether. And, um... Yeah. The other issue was that the fighting just wasn't very compelling. It was pretty much just a button masher, and there wasn't much else to it. Yeah, like... Well, you got, you like got more combos and stuff. and stuff, but you don't always... Not a lot of people always use those combos. Button mashers aren't I, always I, a bad thing, but... You have to. There has to be something else there instead of just beating up endless waves, waves of enemies. Well, what exactly. I do like about it is, um, is how they made references to other games, like Street Fighter, and um, <laughs> and another thing is uh, like the gameplay itself. Like they could have used that for like another Sega game. Um, like so, say something for like Ristar. That could have been like a new reinvention for Ristar. Yeah, like, it probably could have worked for Ristar. Right, so. Yeah, the stretchy arms. They did like the stretchy arms. So uh, there's no there's no real explanation for them to be there other than all, all of a sudden he's got stretchy arms when he's a werehog. All of a sudden the blue hedgehog runs fast. You don't need an explanation for a goddamn werehog. It has stretchy arms. <laughs> Just accept it. Right. Really, kidnas don't have rodent faces either. They're ant eaters, and foxes don't have two tails, and. Pink hedgehogs don't have hammers. They oh, don't just get, come don't out get me into the, aerodyn- the improper aerodynamics of Tails of Cream. Oh, yes, and rabbits don't fucking fly with their ears, so I don't think a werehog <laughs> with stretchy arms is the biggest issue this series has with reality. I'm I done. wasn't yeah. saying that. I was just saying... Was no, no, I'm not bitching to you. I'm bitching to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it felt like... They felt like those newer Crash Bandicoot <laughs> games, if you've ever played those. <laughs> they're they're, pr- they're pretty weak, yeah. but, I mean, all you're doing is sh- killing waves of enemies and then going across little platforms and then killing more waves of enemies. And, I, and for some reason, people give me shit on this on NeoGAF, but I said it was like... Uh, it was like having those new poorer crash levels on top of these high quality, like almost Super Mario Galaxy level quality <laughs> levels. And when I said when I was comparing Sonic's daytime levels to Super Mario Galaxy as far as quality goes, they were giving me shit about that. But I mean, I I really love those daytime comparison. levels. Yeah, I, I really love those daytime yeah. levels. I mean, they were just I, if it wasn't for those, uh, it would be a pretty weak game. But they made them really strong. Uh, was it Patrick? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sadie would have to say something about that about NeoGAF, you know. <laughs> Doesn't he love the to... drama over there? Yeah, I, I I don't even go there. I, I just go there for the news and stuff and leaks. That's about it. I go there to read the comments on their on the Japanese sales, and that's pretty much it for me. I may go back over there again to see their reaction to the Wii U announcement and the three hundred dollar price tag, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Three hundred and fifty dollar price tag. 
What? Only if you exactly. want the more. Only if you want the uh, thing with all the fr- with all the extra stuff. In it. Well, if you want the game and the storage and the uh, and the ten uh, percent off all your downloadables. And well, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily. Oh, are you freaking serious? Hold on, folks. Well, what what I thought was the worst part of the game though was the metal collecting itself. Because. Oh yeah, that wasn't very good, especially since you. I mean, if it's it's okay if they did that when you're to open up uh, new levels that you uh, that were bonuses, say, and for you know other little ex- little extra stuff. But when it stopped your progress in the game, you had to go back to other Werehog levels or daytime levels to find certain metals just to get through the next part of the game. That was a frustrating pain in the ass. Yeah, Mario yeah, and um, daytime levels when you had like. Like, you know, you're rushing through the entire stage and, like, you don't, like, you never have the necessary time to find the medals and stuff. I kind of had trouble with that, too. Yeah, especially in the first time through, you don't, you don't want to be looking for levels. You just want to be having fun with it. But, a, but like the problem a... was, there was times where I had to replay Werehog levels just to get enough sun medals to open up, uh, you know, new daytime ones. Games like Mario and uh, Rayman and Super Magnetic Neo have a, have the better idea on how to do medals. I mean, Mario guess does this so that you can open up additional paths that you don't need to to open up or get to like mushroom thing, mushroom houses and stuff. And for um, Rayman, just collect them to um, open up to to open up new character designs. And for Super Magnetic Neo, you guess it's just the satisfaction of being able to collect one because it's really, really hard to get most of these things requires a lot of skill. But in the Sonic, it's just they're they're often just strewn around, and you need to collect them, and so it just become, becomes a pain. Pardon me. Oh, one thing that was so bugged me was some of the writing. I mean, the, yeah, they have all these humans in this uh, whole world where there's no other you know talking animals like Sonic around, but they didn't react to you much. It's just that they they talk to you like you're another normal person. Even when yeah. you're the werehog, they're like, "Oh, you're a kind of a scary-looking fella," <laughs> but well, look, not really, but not really, you know, shocked at you too much. In this universe, they have giant fat cats and super fast hedgehogs and and uh, and 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 echidnas and and chaos creatures and robots and you know, I don't think a werehog is gonna phase most of these people. Yeah, there's also that really weird uh, scene with uh, werehog and Amy where. He gets all depressed because uh, Amy didn't recognize yeah. him. He, he should be ecstatic. Ex- yeah, should be thinking, exactly. Oh my god, th- this I has that benefits. Scene, yeah, I think that <laughs> scene would have worked a lot better because you know she's just nuts about it. I think it would have worked better if instead of uh, her just saying, "Oops, sorry, you're not the same person," if she actually would have freaked out and you know shoved at him and go, oh, "Go get away from me, you ugly monster," and then ran off. Then he'd have a reason oh. to be depressed, you know, but. Yeah, but Amy wouldn't do that anyway. She's she's kind of like cream. She's very polite, and when she's not being fucking insane and trying to <laughs> beat Sonic into marrying her, which is yeah. uh, probably the second worst part of the game outside of metal collecting is Eggman Land itself. <laughs> oh, I love Eggman Land. It is so sadistically hard. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, it, it's a little easier if you're doing the Wii version, but but God, the uh, the 360 one is just so tough. I just had a really hard time getting through that game, <laughs> that through that level. 
But I guess, you know what, it actually makes sense if you're going to have a final level. It's got to be, especially with Eggman, it's got to be super tough. And when you think about it, this was actually like, um, are you still there? Hello? Uh-oh. Uh, I see your name, but I don't see Patrick. Oh. I guess we lost him again. God! One thing to note about Eggman Land is that it's kind of like the um, it, it's kind of like the the um, conclusion to Robotnik's uh, story arc since at least Sonic Adventure because Eggman Land is something he's actually been trying to build since Sonic Adventure, and he's yeah. saying, "I will, I will destroy Station Square on its ruins. I shall build Eggman Land." I can't help but think, I mean, if he was able to build a, build it on Sonic Unleashed on some crap piece of land, why he didn't just do that to begin with? And why did he really need uh, um, the power of a gigantic er, uh, planet-shattering monster in order to power it? <laughs> no, he really didn't have to. He just wasted a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, where does he get all this money? Does he like ha- just have some patents? Couldn't he, he just buy? Couldn't he just take from? over one piece of land, like it just take over an island and turn it into his Eggman land? <laughs> he had to go through all this ridiculous amount of uh, resources, <laughs> destroying the planet just to have a piece of land for his own amusement park. It's a little insane. And then, of course, in the next game, he builds an amusement amusement park in space. Yeah, made out, of, made out of several planets. And which and that would have gone fine if he hadn't enslaved an entire race of aliens and, and plotted to use them to mind control the planet. He, he can never just stop at the amusement park. He has to use it for some nefarious means. That's <laughs> yeah. the yeah. problem, man. Well, in Unleashed, I think that was when Robotnik really came into his own in the games, because he got his sidekicks, he got this... this well, nice yeah, I got Orbot, although he, Orbot talked more like a regular robot in that one than he does in the colors. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, yeah, or, Orbot was... That's where he de- debuted was Unleashed, and of course in colors we got Cubot, whom I don't really like as much, but I'm... I think they're probably going to start... I think they may remain as mainstays in the games. I, mean, I hope so. I kind of like them. They kind of remind yeah, me of, like, it. Scratch and Grounder of the, you know, Sonic cartoons. It's very rare for non-playable yeah. characters to appear in more than one game. Anyway, I think we should wrap this up before we lose Cor- before we lose Patrick again or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah, um, I, I was going to talk about the final boss, but that's... Don't talk about, no, don't do that, and then, we'll, then, then, and then we're done. That's basically what is the Gaia Temple became a four, all like seven Gaia Temples turned into a giant Power Ranger yeah. stone robot. Yeah, my, my, when I first played it, my, 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 when I first played it, like my older brother was right near me and he was like, oh shit, Transformers. I was like, nah, nah. Next thing you know, he just gang, like gets all the temples and stuff and bring them all together. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a pretty awesome part. Uh, the fight, I think, was better on the Wii for some, uh, for some reason than on the 360 versions. I think it was just well, more that's controllable. A weird thing. 
Like for the last yeah. the last bunch of games, it seems like that whoever works on the HD games has difficulties with the final boss battle. Because in the case of Sonic Unleashed, it was better on the Wii. Sonic Colors probably had one of the best final bosses of any Sonic game in in recent memory. And then of course we had Sonic Generations on the 3DS, which had the a much better final boss than the than the HD version. I think yeah. when uh, when the the HD program is just trying to make things too more complicated than they think they need to be. Yeah, they they try to make it like dynamic and stuff, make it like uh, like a like a motion cutscene or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it was pre- it was pretty uh, epic still. Though yeah, it was really frustrating uh, controlling like, that giant temple robot thing because it controls very slowly and it's very sluggish. So. You have to like be able to properly time everything that you do, and Gaia yeah. can just obliterate you. Yeah, yeah seriously. With that that big ray and stuff, you have to block it, and it still takes like a whole chunk of your de- uh your health. And I was like, man, some crazy crap. I think there was a way to dodge that. If I can well, there's a way to at least minimize the damage by blocking and then kind of moving the opposite direction of the laser, so it only kind of like grazes you, but it's it's pretty much impossible to not be hurt by it in some way. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. I want the, my I think my favorite cameo in. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. And like uh, afterwards, like you have to play as Sonic, and like um, you have to uh, get through the um, the uh, what was it? What, 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 oh, you have to get through like the the little areas of the temple to hit the monster. Yeah, those are those would be kind of frustrating. No, I, I actually really enjoyed those. What was another thing about Sonic uh, the last boss? Uh, You're talking about uh, you had to change into Sonic and uh, run through the temples to get to certain areas. Yeah, yeah. Like I actually like those parts of the game and stuff, and um, and like uh, like he uh just bounces on the eye and stuff. Uh, I know that had to be painful for a uh, dark guy. <laughs> oh yeah, when he's supersonic. <laughs> yeah, that part was pretty sweet. I think my uh, one of my favorite parts of the game was a little cameo where uh, you had the blink and you missed it cameos of uh, the Dreamcast on in, in Sega's. I mean, in, oh uh, yeah, Eggman, yeah. Eggman had a uh, Dreamcast inside of his little uh, portable ship that he that he always rides around in. <laughs> Not only that, if you look really closely, he has a Japanese Dreamcast game that has it, that has his face on it. <laughs> it's an Eggman game. <laughs> That's a, that's such they should have awesome, made that. Yeah, there you go. That's such an awesome little cameo. They're having the Dreamcast in there. But yeah, and overall, this uh, game affected uh, future Sonic titles quite a bit. I mean, Generations there was a lot of to unleashed as far as the way modern Sonic plays. And of course, they used the Hedgehog engine again for that game as well. Yeah. Plus, Sonic Colors. Uh, God, that, that the Wii U graphics for—I mean, the Wii graphics for Sonic Colors were p- pretty amazing. I mean, they learned a lot, I guess, from uh, Unleashed to be able to incorporate those kind of graphics onto the Wii U, especially in yes. the cutscenes. The cutscenes close up—they looked—they looked almost 360 quality, which was pretty amazing. One thing I remember from um, the uh, from E3, from our very first E3 when we went to the when we went to the Sega booth. Is that people were asking, are those Xbox 360? Or is that an Xbox 360 game? I thought it was for the Wii. I was like, no, that is a Wii <laughs> game. It's like, wow, really? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> one thing I'll say that. about Sega is they they had a good. Uh, they really uh, tried hard to 
uh, access the power of the Wii and really not and, just make crappy PS2 games onto the Wii. And the funny thing is, the Sonic Colors on Wii and DS actually sold much better than Sonic Generations did on a on a PS3, 360, PC, and 3DS. Sonic Generations didn't sell yeah. as well as Sonic Colors. Oh yeah, Sonic Colors sold over two million in Sonic Generations. I think last I read it was one point fifteen, one point one point something. That seems insane to me because that is the that is the ultimate you know Sonic game for diehard fans from long ago to up to now. Well, I think it would sell better. I think that that um Sonic uh, I th- I think though that um Sonic uh, Generations actually did sell faster than Sonic uh, Unleashed or Sonic 06. So you know it's getting there I think, but I, he's just always sold better on Nintendo platforms. So it's easy to forget that because we never see those games chart anymore than PDs. New um, new way to to uh, calc- to show sales. Yeah, that's true. It's hard. It's really hard to find out the exact sales on certain games anymore. Anyway, um, I think we're done. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this uh, especially long episode of. <laughs> Oh, Sonic no, not talk. That well, long. I mean, with everything cut together, I think it's going to be about two to two and a half hours. Oh, we've done way longer than that. That's all true. the time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there, there's one thing I got to say to everyone who's listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a website called the Website of the Dead. If you're a House of the Dead fan, come visit. Come check out the House of the Dead news, media, oh, everything boy. House of the Dead. Forgot yeah, about that. Uh, I'm sure you guys will love it. Jason, put that put that put that in the uh, the uh, post that when we put, Show put notes. this up. Sure. Yes. Okay, or, and we're around. leaving you now with uh, from Sonic Unleashed and endless possibilities. Goodbye.